welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the Ed Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And I'm Connor. <laughs> we have a guest. Yay. Yay. Uh, so yeah, Connor is one of the devs from the game that we played for this week. So we can talk about all the nitty gritty details of the making of Elsinore. I took notes. <laughs> That's... Man, I should have taken notes. I'm bad at I'm bad at this. <laughs> We've been That's doing okay. this for like five years now, and I'm still bad at it. That's fine. Have you? I mean, honestly, have you or Carl ever taken notes? <laughs> I take notes every time. Okay, it's taken... not like good notes. <laughs> you just don't say anything from them. My my notes are for me. Ah. I've taken also... notes a few times. Okay. Um, very much a fly by the seat of my pants uh yeah. kind of guy so yeah yeah so so before we get into elsinore uh just quickly uh things that have been happening in our lives i like probably something happened to me within the past like three weeks but all of it is erased from my mind because all i can think about is our game is coming out in two days and i'm losing it i'm losing it folks Will it be better or worse after Tuesday? Oh, God. Uh, was that not the question to ask? Shit. I, I didn't even a, think about that. No, no, no. Speaking from experience, it will be like two weeks of all-consuming, checking everything possible, and then it will start to uh, loosen up. <laughs> okay. I was going to say probably worse. I hadn't thought about it, but probably worse. Here, here I am. I'm ready to bring the anxiety yeah it's not that i've you... never had a game release before i've just never had a game release that i cared about before do you have access to the steam charts because that was a big thing for me was like refresh refresh so like, oh. i i do not personally um our our team lead our mutual friend ben has access to those um i do however uh have the ability to set up a google news alert so <laughs> Has he That's... told you the story about how I I get point oh oh something like nine percent of your profits? Oh really? What did you... <laughs> I did not. So, um, way back when, Ben Walker and I did a Zelda escape room that cost forty dollars, and Ben didn't have forty dollars on him. So he, being the only like one of the only people on the project at the time gave me like a piece of paper that said like in lieu of $40 I will give Connor a point like some very small percent of <laughs> the returns from the of, from this game and I think he forgot I'd forget it thought I'd forget about it but I have a picture <laughs> of the piece of paper and I sent it to him and he was like damn it <laughs> <laughs> nice. so you guys better make a lot of money yeah. uh, and make no. me a whole 50 bucks so I can profit yeah on that yes. Zelda thing. Yeah. Yes. Um you yeah, you should also set up a Google News alert <laughs> so you can refresh continually and see how we're doing. Yeah, you got to make sure you don't get shorted that 0.09 whatever percent. Yeah, and um, I will take him to court. Um I I, I, I will. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I work well, with lawyers. I could I could set you I couldn't set you up with a lawyer. <laughs> I don't think they do that kind of law, but I, I do work with some lawyers, so. I, uh, I think it's actually going to be a little bit before we see any profits, because our, our deal is such that uh, 
our publisher has to make back their marketing costs before we see any profits. So yeah, um, hopefully it sells well enough that we actually do start making money of it. I, ben will be very sad otherwise. I'm rooting for y'all. Not just because I have a personal stake. <laughs> <laughs> Much appreciated. Yeah, I love this deep lore. It's good. Good lore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, I've been, so we've been fielding a lot of like, um, like random online magazine interview type things where they, you know, email us a bunch of questions and we email them a bunch of answers. And I've been trying, if I can, to put in like slightly different information to every response so that if people read multiple articles, they're not reading just the same pieces of information over and over. Because I know when there's when there's a piece of media that comes out that I like, I read every freaking article on the subject. And after a while, they're all saying exactly the same thing. So that's I mean, but it's don't, it's hard don't to you find run out of, yeah, don't you run out of things to say? Like <laughs> Yeah, that are not spoilers. Luckily, like some of them have been different enough in the theme of their questions that I've been able to sort of slightly tilt it. Like we've had one that was like, you know, which characters from your game do you relate to and why? Uh, and, you know, what does inclusivity mean to you? I relate um, to the psychic detectives. <laughs> Good. It's really hard being psychic. Their suffering is real. Um, well, the, not for the not for the main psychic detective. So. I think I've, I, I I can't remember if I've said this on our podcast before or not, but there's one character from our game. Uh, her name is Jania. Uh, it's not too much of a spoiler because she's like the first character that you don't start with who joins your team. Um, and listen, she is a godsend to writers because her whole deal is just that she like very enthusiastically and unironically wants to do the next thing in the main quest pretty much <laughs> so like anytime you need to like move the player forward you can just have Jania be enthusiastic about what's supposed to happen next she's that's great. great i love that's, her that's excellent i like that a lot yeah she's one of my i was gonna say she's one of my favorite characters but like any given character is one of my favorite characters i love them all <laughs> they are my children anyway uh, what has what have other people been up to <laughs> in the past three weeks um gosh i feel like i'm like i must have done something in the last <laughs> few weeks but i'll be i'll be damned if i can remember it besides <laughs> being quarantined yeah besides being quarantined i don't know we like went to the store today and cleaned a little bit i <laughs> i got a bug up my ass to like make a pie and i haven't done that yet but i have <laughs> all the apples that i, I was it's gonna be an apple pie um because nice. i don't know yeah i don't know i've got a single bottom pie crust in my freezer that's just been there since like <laughs> not thanksgiving christmas um and I gotta, I, I, I gotta use it. I gotta do something it's with it. It's because they sell pie crusts in set of two, and you yeah. never need two pie crusts. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. So, apple pie eventually. That's that's all. Yes. That's literally. All that's right. what I've you've been, been doing. doing. <laughs> I've just been, I've just been thinking about this pie. I can't stop. It's consumed at every waking moment. So we've all got our projects. Yeah. Yeah. Carl, yeah, anything I've done about? nothing. I think, like, yeah, nothing. All right, well, wait. No, you have done something. 
there has been a development in the uh, Sour Candy Saga, if I remember yeah. correctly. <clears throat> yeah. So, like, if you ever want to torture, like, an enemy or a friend, <laughs> give them, like, way too much sour candy. Because <laughs> I can't consume it, but it's just there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just hurts. So, so what was the what was the new like antidote to or like uh, the the new strategy to let you eat more sour candy? Um, lots of water. Okay, I mean, just like drink water while you're eating it. That seems like not that much of a strategy. Yeah, that's kind of it. <laughs> okay. I feel like I feel like if you had asked for suggestions the first time, drink water would have been like my first one. Maybe maybe drink milk or something else that like coats your tongue better. Yeah. I'm not that clever. <laughs> what type of uh what type of sour candy do they have in Sweden? I don't know. <laughs> Does it not have a hmm. brand? I bet it does, but I like bought it like bulk. It was like, yeah, I bought it in bulk. Oh, okay. So we don't know who to thank for your never-ending supply of sour candy. You're gonna feel huh. so sad when it's finally gone. Like it'll be the end of an era, the closing of a great chapter in your life, Carl. <laughs> the final, <laughs> the final end of the sour candy. Uh, oppression that you're living under right now. I mean, this is at least the third podcast in a row where we've talked about it, which means it's been like at least a month and a half, if not two months, that you've been working on this sour candy. Yeah, I'm not halfway through. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> nice. Huh. All right, cool. Well, that's a thing. Connor, have you had anything interesting in the past couple weeks? Nope. It's quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, it's quarantine. Yep, I've uh, gotten... Go ahead. I mean, we're working on a pretty uh, significant Elsinore patch, which, uh, depending on what we talk about, might come up. Ooh. Hmm. Is it co mostly content or mostly bug fixes? This one's content. Ooh. Fancy. Um, then we probably will talk about it. I was I was considering how much to needle you about uh, bugs that I found during the game. You but... can feel free to let's not talk about them here, but you can feel free <laughs> to email them to us. Because <laughs> it would be nice if anyone listened to this impression was not like, wow, they found so many bugs. <laughs> There's no bugs. The game's perfect, just for the record. Yeah. Anyway. No, but to, yeah, be fair, um... <laughs> to be fair, I didn't find that. I, I was surprised at the lack of bugs I found, considering how complex the system is, to be honest. Um... That was a lot of just fixing things when they came up and testing it very thoroughly. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, uh, the... no, it's just, uh, you know, watching stuff, uh, reading stuff, playing stuff, trying to keep myself from rotting in the prison of quarantine. I've gotten to the like 
sharing old bizarre Japanese music videos that I suddenly remembered from like 12 years ago's phase of quarantine. Sounds like a good phase. Oh, Kelso's seen one already, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sound of the summer right there, drinking boys. Yep. D DJ Ozma. Uh, both of the ones I found are actually DJ Ozma ones. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember. Like, I don't think I've, like, watched these videos since my bachelorette party. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're, they're something. I originally found them uh, via a cracked article that was named something like the top five most terrifyingly homoerotic Japanese music videos. So there you go. Man, is Cracked still around? Cracked? It, oh my God. So they just started updating their YouTube channel again. There's like one show on their YouTube channel and the, uh, the, uh, the very first episode that the guy was doing the intro to it and he's like, you know, such and such show, the only show on Cracked and then just stopped. It was huh. very sad. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't even thought about Cracked in like five or six years at this point. They Man. were one of those ones that dissolved because like their parent company like decided that video was yeah. unprofitable and sold them off. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. What do um, you do? Yeah, it's a shame. Um, anyway. Uh, no segue today. Let's just talk about the game. Yeah, the, the well has run dry. Let's get into it. <laughs> yep. Sometimes I can come up with a clever segue. Sometimes I can't. We're going to talk about Elsinore uh, by Golden Glitch uh, with our friend Connor here uh, who worked on the game. Um, first thing we usually do is a quick recap of sort of what this game is uh, and what it's about. So I'm going to go through... Uh, relatively fast, and Connor, feel free to like jump in and correct me if I get things wrong or if I miss important things. Um, so Elsinore is a time loop game uh, where you play as Ophelia trying to prevent the tragedy of Hamlet and stop everybody from dying, uh, specifically and foremost yourself. Um, so the main mechanic of the game is just information transfer. As the four days of the play go on, um, you can talk to people and learn different bits of information, and then you share information strategically with certain people at certain times in order to affect the outcome. So for instance, uh, you can watch things play out the way they would normally uh, in the standard play, and you can go and watch Claudius do his confession at the altar about the fact that he killed Hamlet Sr. Uh, and then when the time loop restarts at the beginning, uh, you can just go right up to Hamlet and go, hey, I heard your uncle talking about how he murdered your father, and Hamlet's like, thanks, that's the push I needed, and just goes and kills Claudius right away. Um, so it's, uh, there's some very, yeah, so there's very strategic what to talk about when and what to not say to specific people. Um, as, as the time goes on, uh, the rules of the system change a little bit. Uh, you, once you solve your own f uh, murder, which because in this story, it's actually not a suicide slash accident that Ophelia drowns in the pond. She uh, 
she's murdered by a spy and then it's made to look like a suicide. It was never uh, an accident. Just yes. it's a big cover up by Gertrude in the original story. There's an actual scholarly conspiracy theory about this, which is what <laughs> we rolled with. Really? That's fucking fantastic. What is it based on? I have no idea. <laughs> I just know it exists. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, that's exciting. Um, is Lady Brit a character from the original play, or is she? You know, no, she's new. No. Yeah, Brit yeah, okay. and uh, and Irma are two additions. Okay. Yes. So there's yeah there's two characters. There's most of the characters you would expect uh, from Hamlet, uh, with a few just like uh, liberties taken with just uh, gender and background uh, sort of race and sexuality, just to make I assume to make the game more diverse generally. Because um, otherwise, yes. it's just a lot of a lot of white people, a lot and of white men. And, and I mean, like honestly, like it's all about interpersonal dynamics, right? And those mm -hmm. are all elements that can affect interpersonal dynamics. So yeah, and there's some it, really important stuff about how, like, uh, you know, Ophelia is half more, and it affects how people treat her in court. And um, yeah, so the yeah, so you. Um, you go around, talk to everyone. Oh, so I was going to say, yeah, there's two new characters. There's uh, Lady Brit, uh, Lady Brigitta, who is, uh, or Brigitta? Bergita. Bergita. Lady Bergita, a.k.a. Lady Brit, um, who is a, uh, a courtier who's just like sort of the, the um, I don't know, handmaid is not the right word. Um, <laughs> the, like, companion of the queen. Um and then there is Irma the cook. Um, and if you uh, if you get to the right storylines, there's also uh, Captain Grace O'Malley, the pirate queen, who's a great character. Also, Othello shows up. Othello is a barkeep. Um, and the uh, playmaster is Peter Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, I did not know that was. I was going to ask if that's like a specific reference, if he had a name in the in Hamlet, because I couldn't remember if he had a name or not. It's been a yeah, while uh, since I read Hamlet. Um, that was actually one thing I was going to ask you is like, do, do you guys just like have a? You all had a copy of the play that you referred to at all times, or did you like have one person on the team who was like the Hamlet expert or the Shakespeare expert? Uh, so obviously Katie was doing a lot of reviewing of Hamlet as one of our main writers. Uh, I also did quite a bit of reviewing because part of it is like, how do you structure it design wise? And then Kristen, it turns out, uh, is just a huge secret Hamlet buff. So like <laughs> she was like, basically like we all were refreshing ourselves at two different degrees at different points. But, um, okay. I think, I think Katie was obviously doing the deepest dive, um, to like be like oh well you know i wrote this one scene but it contradicts this bit so now i have to change it and and things like that and also like sometimes choosing like it contradicts this bit but you know what we like it better so we're going to make that slight <laughs> alteration things like that nice. honestly there were not that many of the latter ones most of them were there there's some weird things where i think shakespeare like contradicted himself or he said things about places that don't make any sense like um horatio has like eight roles He's like, uh, that imply he's various ages in the original play. So like, <laughs> we we figured out how to like, what the actual timeline of Horatio's life is. And he's a very busy boy. That seems to make sense considering um, 
in terms of like how you wrote him that that comes through I think in the game that he's like he's just kind of got his his fingers and everything a little bit yep um all right so we uh, we probably won't go through like every single scene you can get because that would be like horrifyingly long um but let's go through at least like uh, what the endings are and um, maybe some of our other favorite scenes besides those. Uh, from here on out, in case the, it was not already obvious, we are going to be spoiling the hell out of this game. Uh, and it is a basically a mystery game. So if you are into, you know, Shakespeare or narrative time loop games uh, and you would rather like play it and not be spoiled, um, you know, this podcast will still be here. You can you can shut it off for now and then come back later. That's fine. Yeah. But you've been warned. All right. So I'm going to go through the endings in the order um, that they are uh, in this walkthrough <laughs> that I was using at the end. Sorry, Connor. I did end up using a walkthrough just for the last few endings. Um, okay, first one. So all endings are in the form of sacrifice blank for blank. Um, because this is a tragedy and there's no good ending. There's only different endings. And you have to decide like what you are willing to give up uh, and what you are not. Um, so the default is sacrifice struggle for relief, uh, which is just the, the play and you die, basically. <coughs> It is the original canonical mm -hmm. ending. Yes, where you get killed by a spy. Yes. Um, and you have to ferret out uh, the spy from your midst. That's sort of like your first quest. Um, and then you, uh, once you've figured out who it is, then uh, she stops attacking you and you uh, can actually progress further into uh, the weekend. So actually, though, Sacrifice Struggle for Relief is Ophelia kills herself at the point when the spy would have killed her. So cano the canonical original Hamlet is the first ending of Elsinore. Even, ah. even, if, even if the spy conspiracy theory wasn't true, the canonical El Hamlet story is still within Elsinore through that ending. Interesting. Do you still, um, do you still unlock that ending if uh, you don't kill yourself? Because I don't remember doing that. You get that ending by default. <clears throat> okay, yes. Oh, I see. That's like you make the choice at the end of like, screw all this. I'm just going to kill myself. Yeah, yeah. I and see. there's a, there's a lot of interesting like fridge. Like you could be like Ophelia's madness that all the other people are thinking she has is her trying to like express things that they don't understand because she's trapped in a time loop. So basically, what I'm saying is, uh, Hamlet is a sequel to Elsinore, and uh, I anyway. see. <laughs> it is it, it it is a it is a uh, an instance of one path from Elsinore where you chose this particular ending. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so after you start, after you stop, um, and it's, it's Lady Brit, by the way, is the spy. Uh, after you stop Lady Brit from, uh, murdering you, uh, then you can go further in the weekend and have access. When does she normally kill you? Is it Friday or Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. Okay. So you get access to the rest of Saturday and Sunday. Um, and which point you can do, let's see, uh, sacrifice permanence for passion. 
uh, is you say kind of screw everything. I'm just going to hang out with Othello the barkeep and you run off with him to have adventures uh, knowing that later on he's going to like find Desdemona and leave you. But you're okay with that for at least a little bit. Um, sacrifice prestige for family where you can say screw it uh, and leave everybody to it and just leave with Laertes and Polonius uh, and go off to your like meager estate somewhere in the countryside and live a like poor but presumably fulfilled family life. Predictability for adventure uh, is which is one of my favorites uh, which um, you just you just sail off with the pirate queen because why not? It's a good life. Um, innocence for power, uh, which you can get if you murder the queen, uh, but not the king. Or I should say, I just say murder. If you get the if you get the queen killed, um, which there are various ways to do, such as telling her the easiest way is just to let her know that her sister's dead. And then she just kills herself. She's pretty fragile. Um, I actually liked Gertrude a lot in this. But uh, yeah, so you can do that. Uh, and then if you romance Claudius, which honestly is one of the skin crawlingest uh, endings, uh, is marrying Claudius, in yep. my opinion. Oh, boy. I'm like, Ugh, do I have to do this? I guess I have to do this. And then I No one made like, you do it. You I chose know. to do it. I know that's the whole theme of the game, but at the time I was convinced that there was something important I would find if I got all the way to the end. And there sort of was because otherwise you don't have very many opportunities. You don't technically have to get all the way to having sex with Claudius uh, in order to, to like search his room, but you have to search his room three times. So it's the easiest way to search his room three times. Um, so then is uh, Sacrifice Family for Legacy. Um, that's the one where you uh, marry Hamlet. And he because your brother is sort of opposes his, uh, his rise to power, um, the, your brother and father get exiled. And so you have to stay in Elsinore with Hamlet uh, and not get to see your family again. But you get to be queen, so that's cool. Um, sacrifice reality for joy is you go crazy. Um, that one is just if you talk too much about the fact that you're in a time loop, people will decide that you're crazy and take you off to an asylum. Um, sacrifice peace for survival, uh, which is <clears throat> maybe quote unquote the true ending, um, in that it's it is a stated goal of the second half of the game that you you're trying to find a way to keep everybody alive um, because that's the only way to keep uh, Fortinbras from escaping prison once you have found and imprisoned him. Um, it's a bit bittersweet because it it's basically like the prelude to a long and arduous war between um, Denmark and Norway. Uh, <clears throat> so you know it's it's not a good ending, but you do save, you do keep everyone from dying except Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. That's, that was a little bit of a, that was a little bit of a. They're irrelevant. Kicking the, kicking the kneecaps. Nobody, nobody mourns their death. They're not important enough to have a death announcement. And therefore, <laughs> Fortinbras, uh, 
does not escape. But they can live. It yeah, just doesn't true. matter whether or not they live. Yeah, we don't we don't actually know what happened to them. When we last saw them, they were being held captive by pirates. Um so I mean look, probably maybe, they died. Maybe they ended up in a relationship with Captain Grace. No, I mean yeah. if you if you go on the ship with them, you can guarantee that they live. It just doesn't change the ending. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I think I I think I just didn't go on the ship uh in that in that uh particular storyline. So then they're dead. Then they're probably dead. Um it's fine. I didn't choose that as the canonical ending anyway. Um then there's uh <laughs> sacrifice everyone for myself, which is a weird way I kind of also like this ending, which is you make really good friends with Brit. Um and then uh, you, I, I guess, I don't know if you have to make good friends with Brit, but I got it by making good friends with Brit. Basically, like, at the end, you, like, Fortinbras has no reason to kill you. Everyone else important is pretty much dead. But uh, Lady Brit's like, hey, you're my friend now, and I'll see to it that, like, since I'm going to be queen of Elsinore now, um, we'll have an okay relationship. You can stick around. I liked Lady Brit. Uh, and then is Responsibility for Indulgence, where you just go off with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern to have adventures, which is probably a pretty fun path. Uh, and then Independence for Peace, uh, which is the one I chose as my canonical ending, um, which is the, uh, all you have to do is get Claudius killed. He's the only one who has to die. And then <clears throat> when Hamlet's in charge, uh, you basically convince Hamlet to just surrender to the invading uh, Norway army. And then you become vassals of Norway. And it's not so bad. Uh, in the epilogue part of that, you marry Fordenbras' brother. So that's cool. Um, I, I was happy with that ending. I'm like, this is a better ending. All of the dudes in charge have been idiots so far and in this way like the fewest number of people get hurt so yeah and i'm swedish i don't mind the danish <laughs> people going down <laughs> there you go it's um, there's also there's also the the um secret ending if you challenge quince which has like two two other variations uh which we'll get to but before that um, what what endings did people choose as their canonical endings? Uh, I went the the petty bitch route and I burned the book, which <laughs> then ended up not destroying Quince or the book, and I just was trapped in an endless yes yeah, so forever that's, loop. Um, yes, yeah, so that's one of the two secret Quince. endings. That's like yeah. sacrifice choice for revenge, which is. You just refuse to play the game. It turns out, by the way, that the playwright Peter Quince is actually like an evil demonic god being who's got you all trapped in this time loop because he's trying to get this book back. So you can, but he can't. He can't just take it from you. Um, you he has to like force you to choose uh, what the canonical ending should be. So if you just never choose, then you just thwart him. But also, you have to relive the same four days for eternity. So good job, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And Carl, what was your canonical ending? Um, I think it was like marrying Hamlet. 
and being queen. Nice. Because like that's the first ending I got that felt like an ending. <laughs> nice. Or like a somewhat successful ending. Yeah. It's it's an it's not an ending where you die at least. Yeah. Um yeah, so then the yeah, there's two so the, the, the ending where everybody lives is pretty hard to get. You have to do a lot of detailed stuff. But you can technically, like, end the game substantially before that uh, at any point after you've found the, like, secret magical book that's uh, that Quince is using to control things. Um, but uh, the... So you it's hard to get the, the keeping everyone alive. But then if you want, there's you can do some extra stuff where you sort of challenge Quince by uh, getting... Hamlet Senior's ghost, who's like the only other person um, who who like understands that there's a time loop going on. Um, you can talk to him and get him to help you convince Hamlet Jr. that Quince needs to be killed. And then there's a long sequence where like you think you kill him and it seems like there's a happy ending, but turns out Quince is just playing with you. Uh, and then you can talk to like then he like forces you to restart the loop. Um, but if you wait long enough, he gives you a power to just insta-murder anyone and then challenges you to insta-murder everyone before Friday midnight, at which point he will give you, quote-unquote, a special prize. Um, honestly, I started down that route, and I, I got to the point where I could have, like, I, I could have killed everyone. There were, like, four people left, and, like, they, it was pretty easy to see, like, what order I would have to kill them off to not get caught. But it was feeling so like Undertale genocide route that I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I just chose an ending that I thought was better. And it wasn't because I didn't like, I didn't actually care that much about killing the other characters. I cared about what it was doing to Ophelia because it was clearly like ruining her empathy and sense of other people as humans. And I'm like, eh, I'm not going to do that to Ophelia. So I stopped. I don't know. Did 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 either of you try that <laughs> that route? I didn't because uh, in the like after the sort of false ending, mm -hmm. um, the fake happy ending, you have a conversation with the ghost, and Ophelia says, and it's in bold text, mm -hmm. "I'll just burn the book." And I was like, "Oh, can I do that?" And I went back up to the book, and sure enough, there was a an option to burn it. So I just said, "Okay." That's what I'll do. Nice. I didn't even notice the option to burn the book. I found out that was an ending later when I was like looking up the other endings. Yeah, there's like a candle next to the book that you have to hover over and it gives you the option to burn it. Nice. So Carl Which doesn't do anything, but you know. Yeah. Whatever. You, well, you burn it and then time loops and then it's unburned. So that's a problem. Um, so Carl, did you just, like, as soon as you got an ending you liked, you immediately used the book? Or did you try and get other endings first? I did some endings. Because, like, I wanted to, like, wanted to get the, all the information about everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. The only thing in the, in the book that I did not, the only, like, little quest that I didn't get a stamp by was uh, Irma's Wrath. Um, which I thought I had, like, I definitely got to an ending caused by Irma, because you can you can get her to poison uh, the king and queen, in part by accident, because she's trying to poison Hamlet. Um, 
but it didn't it didn't uh, finish out that that quest for me for some reason. Yeah, so I'm assuming there, I probably missed a scene. There's a final scene in that one where uh, Hamlet goes and meets Irma in prison. Um, and I think just most people miss that scene. Uh, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I figured. I figured it was something like that because I noticed with the other ones there would be times where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've done this, and then I would do it again, and there'd be like one little scene I missed, and then it would be like check, and I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. Um, yeah. So other fun side quests, I guess, involve um, you can get uh, Horatio to confess his love for Hamlet. Um, you can find out about. Uh, the, the guard Bernardo's um, like position in the uh, the like town playgroup uh, and the fact that uh, he's non-binary or I guess they're non-binary. Um, you can get you can get uh, Horatio and Bernardo to agree to run off together. He, he uses he switches his pronouns. So uh, yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, and. You can you can also you can make friends with Lady Brit and kind of like make her life easier at the castle. Um, I don't know. Am I? Are there any other like good side quest things I'm missing? There's a story oh, of the loot. Yeah. You can uh, <laughs> you can try and make amends between Hamlet and Laertes by like finding Laertes's missing loot that Hamlet and Bernardo lost. I, I like the one where, where Rosencrantz uh, decides to pretend that she's dead. Guildenstern, yes. Yes, Guildenstern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you know, Rosencrantz, Guildenstern. <laughs> they're interchangeable. <laughs> it's understandable. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. They're, also, they're also women in this story, just FYI. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. So Lady, yeah, Lady Guildenstern uh, decides to pull a, a so, you know, um, Tom and Huck. Epic prank bro uh, yeah tom and huck like let's pretend we have a funeral and uh rosencrantz is the only one who attends yeah speaking yeah, of then... bugs uh there was uh what uh one that was in the game at launch was that if you activated that arc um in the first loop uh rosencrantz would drag you out of bed after you passed out and then you could wander around normally <laughs> <laughs> she'd be like why didn't you come talk to me and you're like well i was literally passed out in my bed but i guess i'm free to wander around now and like uh, yeah that was fun so i could see that. that i could see that yeah throwing <laughs> off some progression stuff yeah, yeah which actually uh speaking of throwing off the progression um do you have uh speed runs for this yet uh, there's there is one that I have seen um, of someone uh, getting to. Uh, I think they did the whole game in 40 minutes. Definitely watching it. I feel like there's ways that could have optimized. Um, nice. It's also interesting because I feel like the 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 route you'd have to take to speedrun Elsnor is very different depending on if your goal is you know just for a lot of like a lot of speedruns, um, mm -hmm. you know get any ending. Or like get to one at like a specific ending, right? Like either yeah. the uh, you are murdering everybody, or like or you uh, do yeah. a certain, you know, yeah, or you unlocked all of them like a hundred percent ending. It's it's mm -hmm. different. Yeah, it seems like there's a. It's something that would be probably not that hard to execute once you know how to do it, but the like figuring out the route would be pretty fun because there's a, a lot of figuring out like what are all the things I could theoretically catch in the same day. It's an optimization <laughs> problem, yeah. um, which fundamentally all speedruns are, but like it's, 
I think it's it's more of a thing you could plot out on paper than a thing you'd have to practice as much. Yeah, that's fair. God, I'm um, getting flashed back to my enormous long live the queen spreadsheet. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, Carl is Carl is possibly the world record holder in long live the queen. Uh, I'm although, not. although he didn't submit a time. I did submit a time, but did like. You? It wasn't that optimized because I didn't really care about doing actual runs. I just wanted to do the routes. Yeah, but you got it down to what, like three minutes or something? I got it down to like two minutes, and now it's like <laughs> one minute 40. <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, which is which is not a time loop game, uh, except that it Long live the queen, except that it kind of is. Um, <clears throat> for for anyone who's, there's probably archived somewhere, um, but for anyone who watched, uh, I think last weekend, uh, Steam did a, uh, hosted the like Ludo Naricon, which was like a little online uh, convention where there were a lot of panels about like games, a game story. Um, and there was one on time loop games, and actually Katie, the writer for this game, uh, was on that panel. Uh, and one of the the things they said on that panel that I thought was really great was like the only difference between a time loop game and most other games is the fact that the characters in the game acknowledge the fact that there's a time loop. Because most games you die and start over and retry stuff until you get it perfect. Like that's that's how games work. Yeah, but huh. yeah, the fact that the fact that they don't realize that you're playing the game over and over in Long Live the Queen is kind of the only difference between a game like that and a game like this. I guess that's true. Wow. Um, yeah. All right. So, any are there any like big sections of the narrative or mechanics that people feel I missed? Nice. No. All right, cool. So let's get into talking more about the design. Uh, so Connor, before we go too much into depth, um, you are listed uh, on the the games the game page as game designer uh, for this game. So do you want to talk a little bit about like your role on the team, like what parts of the game you kind of built and, and feel like you were most in charge of? Sure. I mean, um, one of the things to note is that Alan Elsinore were all a very close knit group of friends. So like everything bled, right? We were all <laughs> we yeah. were all giving feedback on everything and working on everything. And even like Katie and I were diving into code sometimes, things like that. Um, but yeah. much to our programmer sh uh, chagrin. But um, uh, so as the basically a big part of what I was doing was you know figuring out the core mechanics, how things should be communicated to the player how time works was a big one when uh, working with Eric to figure out like, hey, how do we present a scene is happening? How does the player interact with that scene? How are people moving around the castle? How are we presenting the timeline? Um, there's a lot of just information communication problems there. Yeah. Um, and then working... there's a lot of information to communicate yeah. in this game. And then, and then I'd work with Katie and collaborate on like, hey, here's the arcs we want to tell. Uh, here's the overall, like, what are some of the actual like uh, narrative puzzles, right? So like mm -hmm. things like um, this is, you know, it, it just there's a lot of figuring out like, hey, how do we translate Hamlet uh, is king and want, needs to figure out what to do next into uh, uh, presenting information, right? Um, mm -hmm. What sort of things uh, will feel better if we cut off the, the, the arc off early? 
uh, and with some horrific event, things like that. How do we solve the issue of dead timelines was a big one where you've like killed X characters and like, so they the, can't do the, their the castle, the, the castle's just nothing's happening. Like that still is not entirely avoidable, but we definitely managed to uh, solve a lot of those problems. Right. So it's, it was basically yeah. like, uh, I feel like after the initial design, a lot of it was like pro emergent problem solver, right? Either like there's some like uh, weird thing that's not making sense to players or like some edge case that or, or like or like just trying to figure out ways to make the whole thing feel better without requiring Katie to rewrite the whole game. <laughs> Things like that. But yeah. Um, that's actually brings up a good question, which is without using the like exit all exit all power. How many characters, like, what's the maximum number of characters you can, like, kill off to make the, the castle empty early? Yeah, because um, you can actually you can actually get an advantage in Nexuntal if you kill them through natural means before you start murdering them through magic means, because then they don't, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're they not alerted, yeah. Less people around, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see, um, characters who can die... Are obviously Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, Hamlet, Gertrude, uh, Polonius, Laertes, Claudius, um, Irma, Brit. Um, how does how do you kill Irma in a natural fashion? Or that's the final scene uh, in the Irma revenge arc. Is Hamlet kills her in the prison for killing <laughs> Gertrude, um, and yes. and Hamlet gives this big speech about how like he did not realize that he, i don't know if you saw his graveyard scene but he, he when er, gertrude dies hamlet's basically like wow i did not appreciate my mom enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah no hamlet's kind of a little fuck boy which is canonically accurate i um, i actually really like our hamlet a lot because yeah he's a dick but also he's like when you confront him about things he is like shit you're right I should be better about yeah. it. But then it's a time loop, so he never yeah. actually gets better. But theoretically, in a not yeah. time loop scenario, he shows the capacity to grow, which is good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, agreed, agreed. And he's very, he's like, he's a little shit in a very like teen boy sort of way, where it's, where it's like, you know, like, come on, just grow up a little bit, Hamlet. <laughs> I felt Stop like being so self involved. A lot of the things I did in the game was about trying to keep Hamlet from killing everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a big design thing. Uh, one, uh, one of our big design philosophies very early on was like, and actually talking about preventing dead loops, um, I can talk about this briefly. So one of the things that is important about Elsinore is that the world, and this is something I'd always been interested in from a design perspective, is that the world moves on without you. Um, if you just stood in the corner and didn't do anything, you know, the pl events mm -hmm. happen. Um, and the important part of that is that you are not the narrative engine. In a lot of games, the player is driving the story forward. But in Elsinore, it's Hamlet and Claudius, right? The conflict between those two is driving the story forward. Um, so the the big edge, one of the big edge case detections is if both Hamlet and Claudius are dead, probably no one's driving anything, so Fortune Brush <laughs> should invade early. Like, things nice. like that, right? Like, um, just trying to, like, just trying to eliminate dead time and and get to good and get to satisfying conclusions more quickly uh and and finding cases like that another one is like characters becoming shattered was the thing we introduced yeah. because like so we don't have obvious emotional whiplash as easily 
um because like character you could be shattered and then they do you talk to you tell them something horrific and then you talk to them about fish and they'd be like oh yeah i love fish it's like yeah. no you're upset <laughs> you are you're about, like you're about to murder I was, somebody i was yeah. going to ask that i was going to ask if um if shattered was specifically something you introduced to avoid the problem of like these characters shouldn't be able to participate in their normal side quests anymore yeah it's like their path is it's it's their path is determined Right, upset a little yeah. bit less so, but Shattered is generally like, you've told them something so monumental that like it would not make sense for them to shake to change their path at this point. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess, I guess uh, upset and Shattered are things I did not cover in the mechanics section that I probably should have, which is uh, if if bad thing when bad things happen, characters can become upset. At which point, um, you can't you can't they they'll still do some of their normal cutscenes, but you can't like initiate conversations with them normally for the, until the next day. Uh, and if they become shattered, then you can't initiate conversations with them for the rest of that loop, uh, which is they are incredibly upset. Um, it also gave us uh, other avenues for uh, to establish this is was a traumatic thing other than the character is dead. Right, like, yeah, sure. Or, or very, very early on in Elstorm, where there was a lot of talk about like quantifying like stress, right, and like characters having different things that they do at different stress. Especially, we actually were uh, very, very early on had it on Ophelia, right, on the idea of like Ophelia mm -hmm. kills herself canonically, and then like that just got messy. So, but yeah, this is that. the this is the kind of like simplified, streamlined, ultimately I think better for this game. Uh, evolution of those ideas. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, another thing that Katie mentioned in the in the Ludonericon panel is that she used to write for Nancy Drew, uh, yep. for the Nancy Drew games. And so Ophelia is a kind of a little bit of a Nancy Drew, where like stuff bothers her, but she still like runs around poking her nose in everywhere, where she, even where she shouldn't. I played uh, the one that takes place in the theater, and she could die in really like horrific ways in that game. <laughs> yes, I got electrocuted. Oh, yeah, the, 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 is is that the like um, the Greek one? The, I don't know. I don't think it's Greek. Greek it's like some abandoned theater, and you know, they're like okay. planning to demolish it. And one of the endings is like the ultimate villain like locks you in a closet while the theater's being demolished, and it's like, well, that's oh, it. <laughs> like, oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the, the, so we, we said, as we said at the beginning, this is the end defender podcast, uh, named after a, unfortunately now like mostly defunct, it seems like, um, web series by our, our friend, uh, NDEF, who, who goes by NDEF, our friend Sean, um, who, uh, was streaming a lot of games and he streamed a lot of the Nancy Drew games. He streamed like three of them, um. And so, so we got to see some of the, the fun Nancy Drew stuff. And yeah, she, in, in most of them, she can die in some pretty unexpected and horrible ways. Uh, I keep thinking I need to play some of the Nancy Drew games, and I have not gotten around to it yet. But now that I, I might have to find that one. Yeah. Theater, theater murder. Yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty fun. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of information that that uh, that has to be presented in this game. And so one of the things that I really appreciated about the game is that um, you guys do a lot of prompts. Anytime something important happens, a bunch of messages pop up that just give you information about how the state of the world has changed. Like such and such now believes this thing and this person has died and this person has this motivation now. Um, and one of my favorite ones, the first time uh, 
Hamlet, uh, like I convinced Hamlet, I was like, hey, Hamlet, uh, Claudius killed your dad. You might want to do something about that. And he's like, great, thanks. Let me go kill him. And then he does. The message is King Claudius dies. Hamlet becomes upset, but will recover overnight. And I laughed really hard. I think my favorite um, example of that was when you tell Gertrude that um, her sister's dead and that Claudius is withholding that information from her and she becomes shattered and her motivation changes to Queen Gertrude is like intent on destroying Queen Gertrude. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, C- Queen Gertrude now wants to destroy Queen Gertrude. Yeah, yep. so sometimes they can they can get a little silly, but they are incredibly important prompts. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask Connor, um, like, there's sort of two questions here. One is like, uh, you know, the, about the, the journey in the game's development about, you know, when you decided how much information to show to the player and like how that evolved over time. Uh, and then the other one is like how it's, how this, these states are actually represented behind the scenes. Cause I'm super curious about that. Sorry, I forgot I had to hit control again. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. So Can you start, repeat the question? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's start with let's start with like um how how did the the like presentation of information to the player evolve over the game's development? Like what when did you decide that you need to show the game state changing to the player? Was that always a thing or did that come out of playtesting? No, we decided fairly early on we should expose state to the player, knowing that like the moment where like the core mechanic is information manipulation, um mm-hmm. the our philosophy was kind of like the player should know when they did something that actually affects things. It was kind of, and it's kind of the evolution of the, this character will remember that except less n- nothing. <laughs> if yeah. Makes sense. Like it's yeah. like, here's the actual state changes behind the scenes. Uh, one of the big discussions and one of, that we, we always had was like, originally they were very programmatic, right? It was like Hamlet now believes quote, something good or Hamlet now believes quote, like, murder and it was like were there actual tags and there was something like it was it, it was it was finding the right balance between exposing the artifice to make it clear that it's an actual not the artifice the it's exposing the uh like systematic nature of it to make it clear that it's like there's a actual system in the background tracking these things um and uh and uh not uh, and, and, and making it feel natural was yeah, really... and avoid, avoiding phrases like uh, Queen Gertrude now wants to destroy Queen Gertrude. <laughs> Queen Gertrude wants to destroy Queen Gertrude is perfect. No yeah, that's about the middle. Not. That's like the exact middle ground there. <laughs> but yes. um, well, it was like Hamlet now believes that Ophelia believes that there is a ghost, right? Like things like that, yeah. right? Like um, yeah. it's that it's Hamlet doesn't believe it, but he believes that you believe it. Like that's different from him believing it. Um, But yeah. Uh, And then how it's tracked in the back end is honestly like close to how it is represented to the player. There are a couple things that are tracked that are not represented to the player, which is like things like how many times you've done things. Um, We track, you know, the number of times an event occurred, uh, whether or not. um, And we can manually put in flags that are like increment this and that's how we get some of Ophelia's like you know she has slightly different responses the second time you do things um mm-hmm. that's how we do her slow decay when you're murdering people um yeah. <laughs> like um 
it's how we do uh, things like that. Um, but uh, it is it is honestly like it's mostly a bunch of a bunch of booleans, and then um, uh, each scene has a condi like conditionals on it, which is like, hey, if if this or this or this, it's not like it's not like single booleans, right? They're complex expressions, but like it makes sense if this is true and this is not true, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a lot of stuff like it automatically inserts, like, hey, if a character is dead, this scene where the character is dead shouldn't happen. Uh, and we like have a lot of branches for like uh, we had to go through and basically we wrote a script that found any mention of a character that was not protected by a NIF statement so that if they were dead, we could write an alt where they acknowledge that the character is dead. And that was like a end of the end of the thing polish, right? Just little things to make it feel like to make it, you know, actually like cohesive and try to catch those like edge cases, tools yeah, to catch edge cases super interesting interactions with the system too, because there's a difference between character is dead and like character X is dead and character Y knows that character X is dead. Yes. Um, because Generally there's like people, death announcements. Yeah. yeah, people know after the announcements, which was, that was actually when we implemented, a thing we implemented later because uh, death announcements were implemented for two reasons. One, P characters needed to find out about things and two, people wouldn't realize characters had died. So the death announcements went through like kind of three phases. Obviously phase one was they didn't exist. So I guess I shouldn't have called that a phase. Uh, phase <laughs> two was we had basic announcements for A, B, C is dead, right? Like, mm -hmm. hey, by the way, in the last day, Gertrude has died. But then that resulted in people like being like, what? How did Gertrude die? Like what happened? And then we added the next iteration, which was like, we actually like give you a, uh, so like a brief recap that gives you a hint or like helps you make the connection between what you did and how they died in case you missed it. Yeah, so, I could like, see that. I was thinking like, that's not a problem. But then I remembered the time that like Polonius like jumped off a wall and I wasn't there to see it. And I'm like, oh, right, that happened. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, they'll say like Polonius's body was found crumpled at the bottom of the wall. And you're like, oh, he killed himself. It's probably because of a thing I told him or like- It's probably because uh, I had him put on that play yeah, about yeah. how terrible Polonius yeah. was. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he loved that play. You're such a great daughter putting on that play. Yeah. I really I really love the alternate plays, by the way. I think they're a fun um, touch. And I think it's also good early support shadowing that they all go wrong, no matter what yeah. play you put on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the only play I didn't run was the one about, like, um, Gertrude's sister being dead because I already knew that was going to result in Gertrude's death because like her knowing in any way that her sister is dead results in her death so there isn't a play about Gertrude's sister being dead and there was what's the one oh no it's about the affair sorry yes yeah um, no, that, the affair. That, I was like yes. this will definitely result in this will definitely result in like Gertrude's death if if yes maybe more than Gertrude's death it it kicks off the same it leads to the same chain of events as, uh, or not the same, but similar chain of events as if Hamlet presents the notes himself, um, just in a slightly different configuration. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess like in, so when you were like planning it out, did you have, um, do you guys have like an enormous sketch of a like tree somewhere of how all the different like flow chart of how things lead to each other. I mean, so this is this is part of 
I think it's one of Elsinore's genuine, like, interesting things structure-wise, and it's also what kept us sane. Elsinore wasn't, like, one big tree. I think that would have... But we drew, drew like, several different trees. Basically, it's like... Well, the way we always describe these is they're plot clouds. Um, in that there are these... There's these chain of nodes that are designed to naturally flow into each other, and that each one sets the conditions for the next one uh, or uh, under natural states. But if something else has happened that also like would intersect with this, then it would uh, either abandon that line or send it in a slightly different direction, right? So an example would be like, um, uh, hey, there's the plot cloud of um, Gertrude's trying to poison. Uh, sorry, Irma's trying to poison Hamlet. Well, if Hamlet's dead, like Irma know Irma's arc knows to be like, well, Hamlet's dead. I guess. I don't have a plot anymore, right? Like, um, so it's uh, basically, and, and basically how we did this was we basically designed all of these to be all of the arcs, uh, including what we called the spine, which was the canonical play, right? Um, to basically intersect with each other. And then like, the because they're all changing state, uh, they know if the state, certain states have happened, my storyline no longer makes sense. So like, alter or abort or do things like that but they were all ultimately like all designed in pocket realities basically okay. that um were then but had it hooks in so that we could handle their intersection well and and then what would happen is if we were when we were playtesting we'd be like well this particular combination feels like it really needs a spin-off scene right like <laughs> or a special response or often it's like hey i did this thing this seems like it should lead into this plot cloud that we've already done, right? We yeah. wound up like just drawing like like we probably like originally had a bunch of plots, and then if you actually designed it, there'd be a bunch of like scribbly lines between different ones, and then this one goes here, and this one goes here. But like, there's basically <laughs> several different ways you can jump into clouds, and several different ways you can exit them, and a bunch of variables that can alter them, right? But they're all. They're all, it's basically a bunch of smaller trees that you jump between instead of one big tree. That makes sense. So like, um, like Laertes and, and Lady Brit being like one story through line and like Othello's stuff at the bar being one story through line and yeah. things like that. No, that's a, that's a great one. Like, um, uh, one that really works, I think well is like, uh, yeah, the Lady Brit and Laertes, um, you that intersects with the spy arc a lot right um mm -hmm. and yeah. depending on what order you do things those will intersect in different ways if uh brits uh if you call larity's back and then get brit arrested he'll visit her in prison and be like what the hell if you tell larity's uh he will uh get her to confess to him and then that kicks off a lot of the spy stuff but larity's is different like reaction right there's also the whole mm -hmm. thing with uh Laertes and um one of the ones i think that like worked pretty like it was pretty interesting was um the one where hamlet put push where Laertes pushes hamlet off the walls um that mm -hmm. can occur multiple ways and uh it's there's kind of an interesting thing where uh if brit is a is brit prompts it then they will go then kill claudius and uh, together, or Laertes might decide to kill Claudius first, which then later leads to him pushing Hamlet off the walls. Like that, that particular chain of events really turned out to like elegantly like flow 
into like into each other like in different ways under different scenarios um and i don't know it it, it wound up working out very well yeah. and like yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of that and that's just a particular notable example of like these modular pieces that fit together in different ways depending on the circumstances but they make sense in in either either configuration um yeah the uh now i'm sad that i didn't get to see a scene where laertes and hamlet kill claudius together that sounds like oh, no. a fun scene it, it's laertes and brett kill claudius together oh okay okay uh yeah and it's uh it's 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 a uh, echoes macbeth in many ways yes um, that one i did see that one i did see yeah um, and yeah, they do the, like, he doesn't want to do it. So she's like, fuck you. Just give me the knife. I mean, uh, the Laertes and Claudius, Laertes and Hamlet do kill Claudius together in a way. If you get Hamlet on Laertes, sorry, if you make, have them make amends and then tell, I think it's, you have to like reveal the poison or something or get rid of the poison. Mm -hmm. Then the dual scene and then everything else plays out. Like normally the dual scene ends with, I think only Claudius being dead uh i could be wrong but like that that is hamlet and laertes planning to turn the duel against claudius instead of killing each other like they normally do nice i um, think this must have been hell <laughs> what to make no testing it Testing. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I have to. Alice uh, was our our main QA person. I think one of the signs that we had like hit something that kind of worked, did, like it's obviously not perfect, but uh, and I, uh, but like was that she played through it so many times and was still excited about the game, so like, <laughs> not totally sick of it. So like, um, but yeah, I mean, like. Uh, it's ultimately like, you, you know, we, we did our best to find everything, but ultimately when the game came out, like there were still a couple weird edge cases that people found. Like, uh, one of my favorites was, uh, we had these conditions of like, Hey, if certain people are in certain States, like on the ship, they shouldn't participate in other scenes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's great. But we didn't have a thing that told people on the sh who weren't on the ship to co not come find you if you were <laughs> on the ship. So there was a possibility that uh, if you set in motion that Polonius would want to leave or Laertes would want to leave uh, Elsinore, and then you went on the ship, they'd, sh they'd swim across the ocean to come to the ship and be like, hey, you need to come. We need to have a family meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so we fixed that one like post-launch, but there's like there were some really obscure edge cases, right? And so, uh, as I was saying, if you found any, feel free to send them to us because like we do like often it's just a you know a simple adding like an extra if statement or like it's um that's one of the things about making this game so modular and like it's snapping together is like often there are solutions within the game. We just need to put them in mm -hmm. and hook them up correctly. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the things that uh, did produce bugs early on were just yeah not accounting for state correctly. Like we were always tracking if characters were dead, but we didn't necessarily have the if statements everywhere they needed to be or the branches where they needed to be, uh, where, so, where people would not act, would act as if that character is dead and things like that. So it was just uh, because it was modular. Uh, we, it was easy to isolate parts and test them, if that makes sense. But then it's still chaos when it's all yeah. combined. Yeah. yeah, and I can see 
um, I can see there being a lot of edge cases that like not a lot of people would easily find, um, especially oh. so when. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, go on. There's my favorite edge case, which I don't think anyone has commented on. Uh, do you care if I spoil it? I doubt you guys. Go, are gonna... No, go for it. We've we've done we've done spoiler. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, fine. If you yeah. romance, so if you're romancing Othello, uh, Claudia shows up, and is like, "What the mm -hmm. fuck is happening here?" Yeah. Claudius and Othello's romances are not mutually exclusive because they don't Yes, involve... I did both I did both of them uh, okay, in one okay. run. I, I didn't I didn't actually go all the way with Claudius because I was already romancing Othello and I'm like, if I sleep with Claudius now, he's probably gonna find and kill me when he finds out I'm romancing Othello. That, that's so, not what happens, is but it not? no, no, they don't kill they don't kill you, but they are definitely like you know, it's a. Have you have you played any of the Persona games? It's like the ending where they're like, "What are you doing?" Like, yeah. like you invited us all to Valentine's Day. Like, um, oh no. Yeah, it's. Oh uh, no. It's, it's the thing. Like, I think Claudius, instead of like getting super racist towards Othello, is like, um, do do you he he he's like Othello like does she told you that like she's also with me and it's like everyone's like well shit and then, like. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I, I started down that path, but I was I was pretty sure that there would be like a jealous lover scenario and we would all die because that seemed like would matching the general yeah, tone no, of what I've seen so far. Yeah, it was it's not it's not fun. It's not fun times. But like that's an edge case, right? That we put in that yeah. like it, I think very few people will encounter, but it's it's one that feel it feels like it should be there. Um but yeah. Mm -hmm. Um there's also like I think uh, Guildenstern casually mentions like, oh yeah, like I've hooked up with Ophelia <laughs> to like Hamlet at one point, and like I think he has slightly different responses there. Um, based, uh, yeah, it's it's a thing. Nice. Um, yeah, so I, I was gonna say one thing I noticed um, a little bit. So I, you know, I played a bunch of the game just like completely with no with no guidance, um, like seeing how much I could get. Uh, I was able to get the book. I was able to get, I think, all but like three or four of the the main endings um, without the assistance. And then I went and I looked up uh, what some of the other endings were, and I realized that uh, I had been in a rut. That there were certain things that I had just always triggered because I assumed they were like the right thing to trigger, or I was used to triggering them, and it had like never occurred to me to not trigger them. So I bet, I, and I, I would be not surprised if this happens to most players, uh, where they have like a few set of things that they're kind of used to doing that they just do every time, and then they just like cut off huge, you know, like clouds of this, uh, of the narrative and, and don't see them. Like I didn't even, yeah. until I looked at the walkthrough, I didn't even know you could go on the ship. I didn't even know that like, uh, I don't think I even ever got Hamlet sent away on the ship. Yeah, I remember we were talking about that and... Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think you hadn't ever gotten Hamlet sent away. Yeah, because I, I never got the canonical, like, normal play ending. I just, like, I had been, like, messing with stuff too much, and it hadn't occurred to me to just, like, sit back and follow people and not interfere too much, so I didn't even know that Hamlet could still get sent away on the boat. I think we had, I think we added, uh, if you got to, like, loop 30 and you hadn't seen the the canonical ending there's like you get a journal entry that's like what if i just didn't do anything like <laughs> um, just, but um to be honest though like 
So one of the big conflicts, I think, with the ending uh, system, uh, with the book, was that we really... I, and, I, I, and this is one thing that I'm, I'm personally... I don't know if we did it as well as we could have, but I don't know what a better solution would have been. Um, we didn't want to make it feel make it feel like you needed to unlock every ending um mm -hmm. because some of them require doing things that don't feel great or like yeah. you might not want to do right and different people will have to the idea, but different people have different things that they care about and often they will have encountered the endings that they are most naturally inclined towards like by on their own right like it's yeah. whatever you decide is the best like you were clearly trying to prevent hamlet from being sent away like that's that's a natural thing to do that leads to a set of endings, right? Yeah. Um, I think I was mostly just trying to prevent him from killing people, which is yeah, what yeah. happens <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Um, there's some, um, but yeah, trying to prevent people from dying, right? Um, yeah. There's uh, one of the big things in Elsnar, and one of the big reoccurring things was uh, the dehumanization. It's going to be, I'm going to report this as pretentiously as possible, but of course, it's a Hamlet <laughs> game, so whatever. Um, the uh, the the dehumanization of completionism. Yeah, um, if that that's, makes that's sense. That's why like, that that's exactly why I got the Undertale genocide route vibes. Yeah. so because that's will, exactly what the Undertale genocide route does as well. The the, the yes, and the uh, I little I I, was, I love Undertale, but when I played when I read about that, I was like, fuck, because like we. We're, we're, we've been working on this game for seven years <laughs> like, yeah. and so we did we technically did genocide route if we had been faster we would have done gen genocide route first but that's what you get for working uh no, one good. day it's, a week yeah it's, it's uh it's it's it's, it's a sign it's, that it's a thing in like the the floating in the consciousness of yeah. game design at the moment and, and it works very well thematically for elsinore it's like yeah. hey look player and there's a reason it's like you've unlocked the condition for it is like you've done a bunch of other stuff and actually mm -hmm. where one of the things in the patches were altering the condition of it a little bit um uh but it's the idea is like Look, if you really are determined to just see every possibility, then clearly this is a possibility you have to see. Like, don't you want to know what like like don't you want to know what happens? And there's this thing of like if you also seeing every possibility, you are inherently turning the characters from characters into like tools for you. I mean, they're means instead yeah. of ends, right? Um, Kant would be very upset with you. <laughs> yeah. um, and. Uh, and that's just the thing. And it's like, um, and, and so there was a big debate on the team. Um, and I was thor thoroughly in the middle of this debate because I think there was trade, it was a trade off, is, is appropriate for the game of like whether or not we should even list hints uh, in the book or if the book should just be blank, like entirely blank, and you don't know how many endings there are. Um, people would look it up anyway. Um, I'm not sure. If we if we made the the right choice in the end for our overall themes for list listing the endings, I think we probably made the one that works for the most players, but maybe yeah. not the one that is the best thematically. Which is, you know, yeah, I mean, it was an artsy game that we were making in our free time, so we had the leeway to do the <laughs> the artsy thing if we wanted to. But uh, our game was it's not like our game wasn't artsy enough. <laughs> so like, yeah, uh, well, I think I think this is good um, because it even though it doesn't um you know like uphold certain themes it does very clearly um present to the player the idea of 
no good ending, right? Yeah. The idea yeah, that yeah. all endings mm -hmm. are a sacrifice of some kind. And I think reinforcing that theme has value as well. Yes. Uh, the sacrifice X for X wording is very much like these are all trade-offs. Um, not necessarily all the endings are equivalent, but like there we there needed <laughs> yeah. to be there needed to be an argument for. Although you talked about the Claudius ending, some people are really into that Claudius ending. I, I the list of really? the, whoever listed the endings for like uh, you know ranking the endings, I think listed it as the second best ending. Um, yeah, it's I think it's Oof. it's. It, my fit in the curtain call scene for that one uh i really oh, let's, enjoy let's explain what the curtain call scene is first yeah so uh we wanted because we uh currently clear your save when you choose an ending we wanted a little bit of like let's reflect on what this ending means before you pick it like is this really what you want so you get pulled into a space where kind of all the characters get a little bit of meta awareness and they're commenting on like the ending and what that means for them and like and all these other things just to like uh, it's very much influenced by, uh, I think it's the, where, where we are most obviously influenced by Umineko, um, which is a visual novel that um, uh, Katie was a big fan and, of and had uh, Val and I read uh, that is, is, is also a time looping murder mystery. Um, but in that one, there's kind of like the meta space, right? Where characters will comment on the story and what's happening to them. Um, and so we created that basically you had this space for people to reflect on like what the costs and gains of different endings are. Um, mm. And also it's where we can add some more details about what the trade-offs would be or which are things that like, you know, didn't happen within the loop, but we want you to know like are upcoming, right? Like yeah. if you choose this thing. Um, yeah. Like the, the one, the one that I chose, like Claudius as a whole, like if you let, you know, Norway take over Denmark, then like Denmark's culture will be erased. And, you know, like, what about, what about our history and our sense of individuality and personal pride? And I'm like, I, it's true. I had not considered that as a thing. Yeah. So. And it's like, it's like, do you, it's a, it's a, just, Hey, think about this. Do you care? Uh, I think, and, or it is probably like the answer is you probably care a little bit, but do you care enough? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, the uh, I think Claudius in that one also says like I will never have a chance to like try to become better, right? Yeah, Which, he says like, like am I am I beyond redemption in your yeah. eyes? And, and, Irma, and like, Irma says like, well, you should have thought of that before you murdered the other king. Yeah, no, it's um, it's uh, Claudius is I I think uh, one of the characters that uh, Katie did some really fantastic work with because what I was going to say is I really like in the curtain call one for the Claudius ending. Uh, Claudius is like, yeah, this uh, relationship was predatory and on both ends, right? Like, um, yeah. because it's like, he does love Gertrude, like genuinely. And yeah. it's just, it drives him to a really dark place. And his brother was genuinely abusive, right? And there's yeah. like, um, and it's twisted him. And I don't know, it's just, there's just a, yeah, I, there's a lot of a lot of interesting material there. I honestly think uh, that obviously the time loop format lets us explore most of the characters in depth and flesh out who they are and why they are the way they are in a lot of really meaningful ways. Um, and I'm pretty happy with a lot of the character extensions that we have done in this game. Yeah, no, I, um, I honestly was surprised. Uh, I was a lot more sympathetic to Claudius than I thought I ever could be. I wasn't totally sympathetic to him. I don't think you should be totally um, sympathetic, but uh, yeah, it's, it, he has, it, it, it is, it's, he's not one note, right? And none of the characters are yeah. one note. 
Yeah, and there were there were a lot of people where I, I would originally think I was going to be sympathetic with them, and then on in certain scenes they would say something where I'd be like, "Wow, why you got to be such a jerk about that?" <laughs> yeah, it's yeah the um, the extensions were really great, and even if uh, even if you won't and shouldn't be sympathetic, at least you can be empathetic, which mm-hmm. is I... important in a game where you spend a lot of time time trying to not get people killed yeah i, I mean yeah. the entire the entire succeeding at this game requires understanding the characters right that is one of the fundamental it's a tend it's about tending and befriending um yeah and murdering but you know like like it's yeah. it's about yeah. trying to understand the characters um even quince like has the scene that's like hey like this is why i might have wound up this way i don't know if it's true but like i don't know yeah there's, there's some there, there's some interesting stuff there oh by the way side side tangent uh quince i assume intentionally visually designed to look like the mask salesman from majora's mask no oh, thank comment. you for saying it <laughs> <laughs> thank you for saying it because i always feel like shitty about being like oh this character reminds me of another character because no but his I facial expressions are... his yeah. smile his weird little like triangular smile absolutely the mask salesman from majora's mask I can't. I, I cannot believe. You know, I will not believe you, you know, can tell me of, that's not intentional. None of us have ever played Majora's Mask. It's just a weird coincidence, I guess. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Creepy as fuck, though. Um, no, it's yeah. It's um. It's also it's it, weirdly it was disarming for me because in Majora's Mask, the mask salesman never really like he's creepy as fuck, but he never really tips over that line into being outright evil right like he's just a mysterious character the whole time he brought the thing to the world that caused the tragedy just saying yeah also but he he also takes it away he picks link up and shakes him (laughs) yeah uh but i i uh, thought i i kind of i i I, because of that i assumed that quince was going to be was going to remain that level of mysterious and so when it like is revealed that like no he's literally behind this he's sort of the big bad like that kind of took me by surprise in a big way. I, I would say is that, you know if it makes you question situation. if it makes you question the happy mask salesman in Majora's Mask, uh, it's probably good. <laughs> Dude's up to something. <laughs> yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly, like that guy gets major side eye. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, no. I mean the ending. You didn't finish it, but the ending of uh, the murder everybody ending is quince opens up a terror in reality and you go visit other worlds so and yeah. it's it's a thing like um, yeah i watched I, I did watch the like um i don't know what you call the the sequence where it has like the still image and ophelia narrates over it at the very end yeah it's also a crossover with uh outer wilds because uh in outer wilds you can see that terror you can find that terror and it uh, shows the Elsinore throne room. Does it really? Uh, was that added after lunch? Connor, are you still I can't there? hear you. Uh, oh. You're like cutting out. Oh, sorry. Um, I was going to ask if that was that crossover added after lunch. Is that a new thing? Uh, it was planned, uh, and but their uh, their end got in after their launch. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Part of it, part of it is, uh, uh Wesley Martin is the lead artist on both projects. Yes, so. yeah, no, I, I noticed that, um, yeah. 
for some weird reason, I have like second degree friendships with like a lot of people on this team. Like uh, I know I know people who know Wesley. I know people who know uh, you. I, I think there's like at least two other people where like someone on my game team knows someone on your game team. Um, and yeah, so like Wesley is like known through, uh, uh, I think Jackie is friends with Wesley. Um, Small industry. Oh, also he, yeah, also he worked on Shove Pro, which is a game that Mike made. Um, yeah. I think a lot of those people know each other from you... Microsoft. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is the artist on, on uh, both Outer Wilds and Elsinore. <laughs> Uh, is, is this the podcast where we uh, accidentally uncover the secret indie game cabal? <laughs> I mean, there are like... there are a bunch of indie game cabals, and we are yeah. we are not part of the big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I we mean, are it's... like we are like the second. We are like probably the D tier indie game cabal. <laughs> like... I mean, this is that's how all small fields work, right? Like, there's only so many people involved. Most people know someone else who does the stuff, so. Um, okay, let me see. Let me look at my list of notes and questions and see uh, what I didn't talk about. Uh, do you know, like, uh, do you have any general uh, idea of, like, what the word count is on this game? How much writing you guys actually did for it? Because it seems like well, it must be a lot. Billion. I counted <laughs> it at some, I, I counted it at some point, And then we've added a bunch of new scenes. Um, I don't know. It's a lot. <laughs> It is a lot. I assume um, it's like at least a novel. There's also, there's, yeah, there's also variations. Oh, it's several novels. Uh, there's variations of scenes. I mean, I can look at the line count fairly easily for just... Okay, hold on. Let me open it up. <laughs> Good to have, have tools at your fingertips. Um, and I, I assume a lot of it is sort of programmatically combined where certain certain parts of certain scenes play based on characters knowing certain information or being yeah. dead. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the scenes.elsinore file for the main game, which is the stuff that's not the opening or uh, the weird oh, look, everything's great sequence. Um, and, and doesn't include present scenes or uh, any of the look at stuff scenes. So actually it's missing a ton of stuff. That alone is uh, 30,000 lines. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it's a lot. It's a lot. That is that is some intense amount of writing. No wonder it took you guys so long. I mean, That's, yeah, I we mean... were working we were working one day a week. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of it was just iteration, right? And and yeah, it, we're we're making interactive Hamlet, which like it's it was not <laughs> yeah, a small a small endeavor. There's a yeah yeah yeah. I mean, you mentioned Umineko earlier, and uh, I just looked it up because I was curious. You're getting close. Umineko is like forty thousand lines. We're probably longer than Umineko, but Umineko is linear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Umineko just really needs. So Katie will talk about this if you ever want to poke her about it. Umineko is a fantastic story, even though it has some like weird. Uh, it's got you know it's got some weird uh, like groping is funny like style jokes things like that. Yeah. But like um, 
it the uh, but the but the actual like overarching story is really really cool and interesting um but the guy really needed an editor he could spend like six pages talking about the rose bushes and he has a tendency to say the same thing in a bunch of different ways anyway it's a it's a thing yeah oh have you read it I, so I actually have not read Umineko because I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Higurashi, the official translation of Higurashi, to get translated, and I'm most of the way through that. But Higurashi is exactly that; it's the same storyline presented in different ways, several different times, and each time you go through it, it takes uh, a few hours of reading to get through. Yeah, no, I mean uh, he's that author is in uh, special thanks for Elsinore for a reason. Um, yeah. He's uh he the those two stories Higarashi and Umineko uh have are probably some one of the main uh it's some of the main inspirations for Elsinore. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. I'll have to look I mean, into it's, them. It's interesting when we started there were not time of games other than Majora's Mask really like uh the, the, Edge, I think Edge of Tomorrow was like came out like two years into development, and then like at last E3, like three time loop games were announced, and I was like, oh man, it's it's, it's gone, it's off the rails now. But it's just such. Yeah. I think I think the reason is it's such a good thing to pair with games because like yeah, as Katie was saying, like it 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 just brings in what you're actually doing as a player into the game, and like even a bunch of games like I think the. Bloodborne had kind of like a time loopy feel to it, even though, um, like, I felt like kind of deliberately, um, even though, like, it wasn't a huge part of the narrative. Like, characters would respond to things and, like, do the exact same thing every time and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I assume um, Sexy Brutal probably came out during that time period. Yeah, well. Sexy Brutal came out during that time period and I actually uh, reached out to them uh, unsuccessfully. To like try to get another. I, I basically my dream was to create a time loop extended universe between all the time loop <laughs> games, um, and have little references like to all of them that would connect them. Like, um, if you wanted to, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, eh. Sexy Brutal is interesting because uh, they. I, I played it and I feel like they turned left where we turned right on every decision on how to handle the time loop. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like, I was thinking you, a lot about the di- the differences because that's one yeah. of our, our previous podcast games. Yeah, they're like played. they can they're like you can only interact with the environment. And we're like you and you can't interact with characters. And we're like, you can only interact with characters. And they're like, <laughs> you solve one murder at a time and then it's solved forever. I'm like, no, it's never expanding net of madness. Like <laughs> um Things like that. Yeah, uh, so I, that was an interesting, to me, that was like uh, one of the most interesting comparisons. And one part that I felt um, was kind of like a hard sell on Elsinore is that because the play takes four days, like you guys do a good job of scaffolding it so that like at the start you only get like, you know, the, the first bit and then you unlock Saturday and then you unlock like the latter half of Sunday. But it, it's a lot of time to go through a loop um where like you know even though you can fast forward it's like a long period to go through like all four days uh whereas sexy brutal has much shorter loops where you like try a couple things and then like time's up start over like 
and you have a very, it's much more focused, whereas this is much more like trying to bring all the puzzle pieces together at once and get that one perfect loop where everything works. Yeah, I think it's a different, um, a different fantasy in many ways. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, it was all, it was ultimately like a thing that we were like, well, this is, we're doing Hamlet. We, we can only shorten Hamlet so much. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of things that uh, I, I do agree that that is one of the, like, I think if people bounce, people who bounce off Elsinore, I think that is one of the main things they will bounce off of. I think especially <laughs> the very beginning, uh, we ha we kind of had to got, have you run through the whole thing the first time because we ran into scenarios where um, people would, uh, because it was so open, people wouldn't know what they caused, right? So they'd be like, Polonius would die in his normal canonical way. And they'd be like, oh, no, I got my dad killed. And it's like, <laughs> no, no. So that's why we ended up having to do like the more like you go through the events at the beginning. But it means that like, I do kind of miss the version where it just opened up immediately. Um, but yeah. it was it, trade-offs, right? Like, it's like, yeah. uh, it opened up immediately. You got more freedom, but you could also immediately, it, it was harder to, like, know what you were changing. You had to know what you were changing before you changed it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's definitely a thing. Yeah, I think one of, the, one of the main effects of that difference is that this game, in some ways, feels a lot more like it's about real people. Right, like Sexy Brutal feels a lot like it's about clockwork machines that you're sort of watching from a distance and you are like changing small things to change what they do. Whereas because this is sort of everything at once and because the main mechanic is sharing information with people, it's a lot more about like understanding who they are as people and the psychology of the characters um, and like manipulating them in a, in a much more social way, if that, if that makes yeah, sense. I'll take that. I'll um, feel good about that comparison. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I I think, mean, like, yeah, which I think is, yeah. is the point of this game, right? So yeah, the, the scope of what the ways they can spin out is, is a lot larger, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, so let me, let me check my, my notes again. Um, so you mentioned early on a little bit about, um, like one of the, one of the things you worked on was like how to represent scenes that are occurring without you in real time. Um, yeah. and so I'm, I'm sort of curious about that. Like there's definitely times and I have some, I have some internal theories about how this works, but there's definitely times where you come into a, a scene and you start watching it and the scene is halfway done. Right, you you yes. don't actually catch the beginning of the conversations, um, and I assume that happens at the breakpoints where you have to click the dot dot dots again. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like how did that evolve? See, so I blatantly stole this from Ghost Trick, uh, which is a fantastic <laughs> nice. game. Uh, yeah, I love Ghost but, Trick. Yeah, yeah, but like Ghost Trick does this thing where like if you you know just sat there. The dot 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 appears above their head for a period of time, and you click on it to listen to the conversation, or you can do other things while that's happening. Uh, the idea was we didn't want it's a couple different things, right? We wanted uh, eavesdropping to feel like an active thing, right? So the scene, like you are choosing to participate, right? Um, it's also like different set different segments contain different information, so you could like go in at the beginning and be like, oh, I've already seen this, and leave. Right. Um, there's, there's just, it was it, honestly, there a big part of the balance was just figuring out like what, 
what feels best for um, the sense of people are doing things without you again. Um, and honestly, it what we we hit upon this model fairly early on, and the iterations on it were fairly small. At one point, we tried having a button that let you auto progress the next scene, but that actually, while it fe seemed like it was going to be a good quality of life feature, it actually made the game much less engaging because uh, like choosing to eavesdrop was less active, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's honestly it. It's uh, basically every dot, dot, dot scene has dot, 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 every subsection has uh, takes a certain amount of time. And if you are not there during that time, then it moves on to the next one. Right. And it was, there's just a lot of balance around like, hey, like early intro scenes. Uh, basically, all of them should probably have an early scene that is like not where a lot of the meat happens, right? So you have chance to, uh, so if, if you arrive, late, get, yeah, get yeah, into that yeah. Scene. But then if you, but then you might decide to come back later and see what you missed, right? Um, you yeah. get a bonus for being there. Yep, that happens to me. I, I seemed every um, single time. Also, like, there's a lot of things. Where every it's like single we, time we I missed the start of the Othello's bar scene, uh, where he gets attacked by thugs. Yeah, uh, he. It's basically him planning to play a game with Brosen, uh, Irma and Horatio, which he obviously never actually plays. Although, well, one of the, another one of the edge cases is if you get the thugs arrested the first time they show up to harass Othello and not the second time, then he'll actually play that game with Irma and you Horatio, the, and you, you can, can see it. You can get the thugs arrested early? How do you get the thugs arrested early? You, can, you, get, you, you literally tell Bernardo immediately, Bernardo's in trouble. And he will go there, like, and arrest them the first time they show up. Interesting. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, I guess I, I probably did that once, but then, like, did not actually go check out the results of it, because by that point, I had done it, like, a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's just a lot of, that was actually an edge case uh, that we had to fix, because I think uh, Othello's time, Othello just broke if the thugs were arrested the first time, because the second scene didn't know what to do. It's like the thugs are supposed to show up. And then we were like, well, we need, yeah, the, the thugs don't show up. So there should be, we need to write the version of the scene where they don't show up and like things like that, right? Like, well, as I was saying earlier, like a lot of the bugs that we encountered were things were like, we just didn't respond to the state correctly. And then we just put in the if statement for the state we're already tracking and uh, created the alternative. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Did I answer your questions about yes. the, like, the, okay. Yeah, cool. that's, yeah, I think that's good. Um, Speaking of like quality of life improvements, uh, something that like I would not have come up with as like an obvious necessity, but which was super important, is that little hourglass icon above people's heads while they're waiting to like they're about to go to a scene, or they're waiting for a scene to start. Was that how did that come about? This was very much. Um, there's a lot of iteration on that one. It was very much like, hey what will catch your, you know, if you're just wandering around the castle aimlessly, not paying around attention to the map, like, well, you need to, something to catch your attention, right? To be like, oh, this character's about to do something. Um, well, originally, we had exclamation points above their heads, but we <laughs> players have, have been thoroughly programmed to think, oh, that means they have a quest for me. And then they try to talk <laughs> to them repeatedly. Um, be like, where's my quest? So... <laughs> Uh, they, we, we changed it to the hourglass because that's more like it makes you feel more like it's a busy sign. 
we also synced it with the timeline icon. So it's like the same, you know, it's like, and then you'd be like, oh, this, if you look at the timeline, you can see like where, what event they're going to, um, if you've seen it before or have been invited to it. But yeah, it was, it was very much a, it's a, hey, an attention catcher, right? Of like, hey, there's something that's going to happen that you might be interested in, or they're about, they're going, this character is not just running somewhere, they're running to a specific thing. Maybe you want to follow them, right? Um, that was a quality of life feature we added. We also, follow was added fairly late in the game. Really? Uh, yeah, the well, ability to yeah. click on them and, and just follow them wherever they go. Um, yeah, we added that. Uh, honestly, like, I think in the last year, uh, we were concerned it would not work. And it required a little bit. It definitely required a lot of reworking of stuff. Uh, specifically, uh, when characters walk through the way characters normally walk through, like transition doors where it fades to black, the mm -hmm. way you did, works differently. And so there's now this extra thing of like, if you're following them, they work the same way you do, but otherwise they don't. <laughs> like, there's some weird, interesting stuff there. Anyway, but yeah, um, yeah. that was Carl, a big one. Carl just but discovered yeah, that the... feature yesterday, right? No, oh, I discovered that you can, like, Oh, that's fast forward right. while walking. Yeah. Because I've uh, always yeah, like, walked in place and then fast forward. Fast forward while walking is a very good combination, especially with fault. It's very well good combined with follow as well. Um, uh, yeah, no. Um, so did, did uh, how many, like, was mostly what came out of playtesting then just like, edge cases and and that kind of bug stuff or were there any major like ux style like quality of life improvements that came out of play uh, testing? no i mean uh follow came out of play testing players kept saying <laughs> we want follow i want to be able to follow these characters and we were like uh fine after like <laughs> deciding we didn't want to do it we went back on it and it was the right choice um uh the we reworked the timeline multiple times the timeline is a he was a huge problem because uh because elsinor's a sim and it can change dynamically uh showing future events requires simulating the whole game in, to, in its yeah. current state to figure out when they will happen it, if it pops up and it's loading it says predicting the future which is yes, hilarious. And like Lots of things like that, just to make it clearer, like that you know, there's something, there's there's some intense stuff going on behind the scenes in the timeline, um, but like there's a lot of stuff like the timeline showing what room they the the thing will be in and stuff like that. Um, uh, we made a lot of we had a lot of issues on the timeline uh, leads um, altering notifications a little bit. Um, no, there's a lot of quality of life features that came out of uh the uh play testing yeah no the timeline is a is a huge important element of the game i use that like pretty continuously to to figure out it's, yeah. it's like important to know how much time you have before the next major event that you need to go see and like how much time you can waste sticking around oh a big one is uh being able to go to rooms from the timeline was a quality yeah. of life feature that we added. Uh, actually, that one was added like a week after ship. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. like we it was in progress, nice. but it wasn't quite done. And we're like, whatever, we're not moving it. Let's let's. And then it like it's like patch. Like maybe it was day one. Actually, I don't remember. We, we day one patches. But yeah, we uh, we got that one in fairly soon. 
Yeah, I did use that a lot. I also used the follow feature a lot when um, I wanted to see the effect of something play out, where I do something and I'm like, all right, will this save my father? Let me just follow my father around all day and see what he does. Yeah, it's uh, it's really useful. Uh, Ophelia has like plus 10 stealth, except when she doesn't. So, <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, my favorite instance of that is with uh, the the war council with Claudius, <laughs> just directly in his line of sight, <laughs> <laughs> crouching behind a table. Yeah, yeah. No, my my favorite one for that is um, Gertrude's room uh, when the, the scene where Polonius gets killed, where you're just crouching in a corner by the fireplace because Polonius has the obvious hiding place of like this behind the screen. Um, yeah, and so you're just like pretty much out in the open <laughs> okay so true true story originally ophelia was hiding right beside polonius and that was even dumber so so i found that i was just like looking for another spot to hide her and i'm like she's for the record behind a chair okay okay, okay. if okay. you yeah. look at line of sight she would be blocked by the bed from one direction and blocked by the chair from another so <laughs> i got a you. perfectly I got decent you. hiding spot yep <laughs> but yeah, uh, there was definitely a pass I had to do of because I did a lot of the choreography. Basically, like the flow was generally, uh, Katie and I would outline the arc, right? Katie would, Katie would either Katie or I would do the first pass of like if statements and like the general outline of the actual logic. Then Katie would do the final pass on the writing, and then I would go through and do animations and choreography. Um, and there's definitely a pass of. What are the scenes that it's weird if Ophelia is just standing in between people? <laughs> you go make yeah. her walk somewhere and crouch. Like, we, and you know, is it not a good place to have her crouch? Well, figure something out, right? Like, um, but yeah, there's that part, part of the suspension of disbelief for Elsinor is obviously that if you're not viewing the scene, you're not actually like present for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which it seems most players are willing to do. Um, really early on, we talked about having like, like, uh, it's one of those things where with the, a lot of the solutions would have made, uh, like, would have created more problems. Like, if we'd, we'd done a thing where if you get close to them, the scene stops, you could do that accidentally, and that would feel bad, and that would be frustrating, and you ruined your loop. Like, um, so it's just a, it's a, we ultimately choose to, like, it's better to have a little bit of artifice there than have some really like, finicky like thing. Like, for instance, a that, giant uh, burning mask that, that chases could, you yeah. away. Some, yeah, yeah. Like a giant burning, I, not to throw shade at any. That's yeah, no, I, I, I love sexy. I love Perfect. sexy for I love Tom, it. but it is very different yeah. in the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, and it's, it's, I agree with you that like it it works like ninety seven percent of the time, and there's like a three percent where it feels a little goofy, yeah, but that's no, fine. True. That's an acceptable yeah, yeah. like. Yeah. It turns out if you're making a sim, it's really <laughs> hard to avoid a hundred percent of edge cases, like Polonius swimming out to the ocean to go pick you up <laughs> for a family meeting. <laughs> like, which is by far the my man, favorite. Uh, the man uh, is devoted to his family. That's, uh, really, I that's mean, and also the thing, I mean, the thing that's really funny about Sims is they don't come together until they do, right? At the very end. Like, I remember very early on, like, when we when we first started tracking, characters were dead, but we didn't yet, like, 
do this was like year like six years ago uh there's i have this footage of katie playtesting elsinore and she's wandering around and she sees polonius she fast forwards and suddenly polonius appears in front of her and he's like crumpled on the ground and she's like oh no is polonius dead <laughs> and then she clicks on him and she can still talk to him and he's, he's dead <laughs> on the ground and i can talk to him and he says and i and ophelia says father are you okay and she's like oh i'm fine just tired as all <laughs> and he's like collapsed <laughs> on the ground with his neck broken and I'm like this is like we come a long way since then i'll tell you um, <laughs> nice. Oh. nice i like it um <clears throat> so one of the, i was still talking about simminess in the game um one of the things that i think we could have we we didn't really solve but we i think it's again the thing that most players after a couple times of being like that's weird are willing to suspend disbelief is when you present things to characters it doesn't really matter who's around only that character hears it even if gertrude's sitting like right next to claudius yeah. when you tell her like yeah. claudius killed your husband <laughs> like claudius doesn't respond um I think that like maybe there's something presentationally we could have done there where like a spotlight appears on you two or like uh all the other characters disappear but like ultimately like um yeah, it's it fine just, yeah it was yeah whispering it was, yeah. exists they're yeah. whispering <laughs> yeah no it's just an, it's an interesting uh it, what i was saying is like it's an element where we decided like yeah a little bit of simminess is okay right that's the big one where it's like if we cut you off from being able to talk to people when other characters are nearby, that would just be immensely frustrating. So ultimately it was better to have that little bit of awkwardness of, I can talk to them when they're right here, than I have to wait until they're by themselves in the corner, which could depend, happen at different times, depending on yeah. like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I guess, sorry, go ahead, Kelsa. Oh, I was gonna say, I guess like the aside is a is a major component of a lot of Shakespeare's work, right? So, yeah, I, that works for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not yeah. everybody is actually surprised. I know it's shocking, but not everybody <laughs> is apply, applying uh, Shakespeare logic to it, yeah. uh, which is why we had to run through the. Uh, I mean, that's why we had to run through the original story a little bit at the beginning, right? Because yeah. people we didn't want. Hamlet. Yeah, we didn't want it to depend on having read Hamlet. Uh, our Hamlet That's game fair. doesn't need having read Hamlet, which is actually super yeah. important. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I will say I had never, like, Hamlet's one of the ones that I never got around to reading, and I did just fine, so. Yeah. Yeah. Although, as, as someone who uh, did have to read Hamlet in high school, uh, I will say uh, Horatio being desperately in love with Hamlet, canonical. That is a, that is a canonical part of the play. Uh, you will not convince me otherwise. I mean, it's, I think it's very plausible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so no, about that, actually, why? Sure. how did the decision to make Bernardo be like a major character come to? I mean, he's the guard captain. Um, he would be involved in... A bunch of different things uh, a lot of the a lot of the stuff was like who are characters who would be around involved in daily day day-to-day -day life we actually had a big discussion about like uh yo we're showing these time loops and these characters never eat so we needed to figure out like the great hall turning into the like the dining room style thing because um but yeah uh, bernardo was like he's the guard captain right that's an important role 
even if he's in just a couple scenes in the original play, we've got this whole intrigue arc about like, you know, there's a murder. I was going to say, when it's a murder mystery and there's a lot of deaths happening, you assume like Like, the main authority figure in charge of that. Yeah, there's there's also the other arc is a political invasion, right? Like a political thriller. (laughs) Bernardo would also be involved with that, right? Like it it made a lot of sense for him to be a pretty significant in the world of Hamlet. And that that was a lot of it, right? There's a lot of characters that just made sense to be uh that they'd be pretty involved in things. Like Brit, even though we invented her, like she's Gertrude's personal attendant. Like she would be involved in a lot of things that involved Gertrude. And we managed to tie her into a lot of the other arcs as well, I think in a pretty natural way. Um to the extent that a lot of people think she's who haven't read Hamlet think she's an I mean, original yeah, she character. Does read that way. Um I, I feel like like she she does fit in From pretty well. Play. Um so yeah. It's a thing. Um I think I think you I think I cut out again. I don't know what you said. Uh, I think I think she fits in pretty well with the uh, with the overall like feel of the the characters of the play as well. Like um, she seems like a natural addition. Um, I was going to ask though about uh, Bernardo. So the um, the the decision to give him the whole backstory with like you know he he moonlights as like a, a character with the the play the with the like traveling play or town play or whatever it is. Um, was that just to like give him kind of a more interesting backstory because he's only in like three scenes no um i mean we definitely wanted to flesh out the characters right um Mm -hmm. but that was also a thing in that time period and um Mm -hmm. i think it's a thing that there was when we first started working on this game there was a lot of like we of course course got the it's not historically accurate there were no (laughs) black people in denmark (laughs) and like it's just nonsense (laughs) um yeah but um uh, it was, you know, it was just, uh, you know, there a lot of things about, like, Bernardo's religious upbringing and, yeah, doing the play. is Yeah, it's just uh, we, we're, we're, we're figuring, looking at all the characters and we're like, uh, what are, what are the, how do we flesh out their lives? Um, just trying to pick things that, that uh, were, were compelling and and uh would speak to different people right and different people's experiences so yeah it it was a it was it was a combination of like yes we wanted to uh represent that that was a thing in that time um and uh and flesh out bernardo himself and it yeah um and i think honestly one of the i do like one of the things i like is that we uh the that information is one that like we are pretty explicit it's not yours to share but you yeah. do have the ability to share it and like that's i think that's the way that a lot of people a lot of people do it like if you're not in that group right you're like you mm-hmm. people stumble on that a lot is like this is not my thing to try to, to try to help with um i will say i did i did like pretty uh pretty consistently try and set up uh bernardo and horatio like that was that was like I'm like listen somebody has to come happy out of this oh, whole mess. Yeah. No, you two go off together. I I think there is some truth to like there are scenarios where like it's a, it's just a scenario it's 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 a complex scenario to navigate right because like yeah. yeah there are scenarios where someone could genuinely be helpful. There's also scenarios where that's just not what they're looking for right. Mm-hmm. Um and you it's, by telling anyone you are betraying his trust 
yep. on a level. Um, and Horatio does call you out on that in yeah, that yeah. sequence where he's like, yeah. so you're just wandering around telling everybody about this? Yeah. And like, and he'll, and Bernardo will call you out as well. Uh, and then like to, to, like the first, like if you tell multiple people, the first one, he'll be like, okay, look, I understand what you were trying to do and I appreciate your intentions, but really this is not your thing to share. And then if you tell us the second person in the same loop, he's like, you're an asshole. Cause I already told you, <laughs> this is not your thing to share. And you did it in like, after I told you not to do it. So, and I think that's, that's legit, yeah, right? Yeah, that's like, <laughs> Um, that was good. Uh, all right. Checking my, checking my notes again here. Uh, how do we represent branches? While you're checking the notes, I will say I, uh, I noticed in the, uh, in the credits, in the pets section, somebody has a cat named Sissel and I, and since you mentioned Ghost earlier, I wanted to say whoever that is. It's my cat, of is course. Is that what? That's your cat? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to say you, you have very good taste. <laughs> God, I love Ghost Trick. It's such a good game. It is, I, yeah, it is an incredible game. It's so good. Also, and I, I would love for you, have you guys play, played it for this not, thing? If you have not played it for this thing, you should go back and play it for this thing. Because I noticed you guys play yeah, a bunch of narrative games. Yeah, we have played it for this game, I think mostly just because um, it it never got a re-release, and I think it would be hard for most people. It's I on guess iPad. It yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's an iPad. An iPad. iPhone. I have Android devices. Oh, okay. I, Android I think devices. also also and we try we is... try to if we can keep the game to like fifteen hours or less, which I if I remember, Ghost Trick is pretty long. Yeah. So those are our two criteria and probably the only reasons why we haven't played it. But if it gets a Switch re-release, uh, or like a PC release, which I'm not holding my breath for at all. Uh, I need more I would, Ghost Trick. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, so, good. so good. Um, okay, I think the, the last few things I have are like, um, not so much questions as just like, um, comments. Oh no, here's a question. Uh, how many different Ophelia wake up texts are there? Cause it seemed to me like she was saying a different thing almost every time she woke up. Um, there, I don't know the number off the top of my head. There are a bunch of variations based on what happened last loop. Um, and then there's a variations based on how many times you've gone through, and then at a certain point you hit, uh, uh, she says a random line when she wakes up, and there's like okay. six of, I think there's eight of them. Um, so, uh, I will throw out, uh, so the red, we do have a function that's like, hey, on this if statement, pick one randomly. We only use it for Ophelia and for Quince. And actually, another bit of fun. Uh, it used to be more. It, and the reason for this was early on. It was much. Uh, the fact that Quince experienced time loops as well was we were much more cagey about mm -hmm. instead of telling you up front. And so it was like a subtle hint that like you were getting slightly different dialogue from him when every other character would produce the nice. same dialogue. Um, but yeah, nice. that's that's cute and clever. Uh, what about the, the the Ghost King? Does he not is he not have any readiness? I, 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 I we could have. I don't think we. I, I think we might have a little, but um, I don't think we actually do have much for him. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, because he's also like not all there mentally. Like it's unclear how much he remembers from loop to loop and things like that. So, um, yeah, he's he's struggling. He's struggling a bit. There you are. Hello. 
But yes, he's struggling a bit. Um, actually, that that brings up a, a plot question I had, which is, um, if Quince can't get the book back without, um, you know, getting it from someone, and King Hamlet never found the book, how did King Hamlet's time loop ever end? Uh, he basically the our idea was that the uh, the give up ending is always available to people. Ah, uh, okay. So like if okay. a yeah, if Ophelia had killed herself uh and resigned to that, that could have been she could have done that without getting the book. Um but yeah, so but basically that is yeah, that that's our answer. Okay. Giving giving up counts as ending the time loop. I will accept that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um okay. Yeah. So a few things that are not really questions um, that are just things that uh, I want to mention. Um, I like that when you hit the end sequences, things get like grayer and like the colors desaturate a lot. That that like I felt like was a super nice touch for it's whenever a character dude. dies. Uh, yeah. it gets slightly more desaturated. Yeah, that's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it 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 uh, underscores the bleakness uh, of what's going on. <laughs> that was cool. Um, I really liked the thing that Katie said in that panel, uh, where she talked about the uh, that this game revolves around the idea of like tragedy is not a set of um, just like events that happen. Like it's not like a a Rube Goldberg machine. It's embedded in the characters and the nature of the characters and their relationships to each other so like you can change some things but their their natures and their relationships to each other are always going to trend towards these tragic outcomes which i thought is a is a cool concept and and a a cool thing for a game to be about Mm I don't know if we lost Connor again. Oh no! I'm still here. I'm just listening. Okay, no. okay, I mean, no, I, I can comment like, yes, I agree. Katie's statement was brilliant. We're brilliant. Their entire yeah. game is brilliant. Yep, it's true. Uh, and then the other one was like, so it seems like there's an interesting theme. Like, clearly, choice is an important theme. Um, for the game when like the the end part is like you know the the most important human virtue that can't be taken away by this like never-ending time loop is the idea of choice and being able to like you know decide how things uh, will go or at least how you're going to look at it um which i thought was like wonderfully beautifully ironic uh given that the original play is about a character who spends the entire play failing to make a choice and that's his downfall yep um it's kind of a nice inverse um i also think uh one of the one of the things was also like for us like making a game where there's no good ending when people like what it had it what makes that satisfying right and really hitting the theme of like well Mm -hmm. it's true it's deciding what you care about right um and -hmm. really feeling that you've that 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 you've done that and that and and i think the, the people who the game has succeeded the most far are people who who are like I chose the thing and I'm satisfied with that outcome, um, rather than I found the true ending. Which you said that the save everyone ending is the true ending and that is not true. 
There is no true ending. Yes. Very it's, deliberate. It's like the hard it's like the hardest to get ending, yes. I guess, because it requires the most like specific actions. Yeah. And there is a there is a point at which like Ophelia, like a couple times when when Fortinbras escapes, Ophelia will say something to the effect of like I guess if I don't want Fort Frost to escape, I have to find a way to keep everyone alive. So it, it feels like a goal that you're moving towards. I mean, it is a natural goal, right? And so we yeah. do. And I mean, it's one like one of the first questions people had whenever we talked about Elsinore is like, so is there a way to save everybody? Is there a good ending? And we'll be like, well, we're not going to spoil the entire game for you. But the answer <laughs> is yes. And no, right? There's a way to keep everybody it's alive, sort of. and it's not a good ending. It's not a bad ending. Yeah. It's just an ending. It's one of the possibilities, and there's a cost for it, like everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was perfectly pleased with uh, being petty and burning <laughs> the book and just being trapped with Quince forever. Yeah, so That's uh, fine. I'm, I'm super okay with that. I that will talk about this, because I think we're doing it either this, this week or next. Uh, we are changing how endings work for Elsinore because it was a big piece of feedback we got. We're no longer going to be deleting your save when you choose an ending. It's <laughs> oh, well, the artsy thing to do. No, 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 no. <laughs> but we are still, we're basically the reason we're doing this is uh, I actually don't think that hit our theme as well as we could have. Um, mm. When uh, we're basically going to, what we're going to do is return you to the title screen and like t- the title screen will have changed for the ending you picked and you can choose to try to return to the game uh, and, uh, if you do, you get like a monologue with the, from the ghost. It's like, why are you going back? Like you chose, like, is, you know, it's a little bit, um, just to hit our theme again for those players who want to see every possibility and back up their save file, which a number of people did. I did. Um, I, I didn't yeah. end up using the backup, but I did. Yeah. And then there's going to be a progression there where the more times you do it, the ghost has like any different responses and uh and the, but the exceptions are of course the two special endings where you burn the book or you uh kill everybody those still are become permanent states but you can go back to the castle and see like it in this weird state um so yeah i think it's gonna i don't know i think it's gonna be good um i'm i'm pretty happy with the changes but yeah yes. that's going that's coming out soon yeah yeah um okay so last question uh, this is a thing that's been on my mind because our game uh, is coming out in a couple days. Uh, if you could like go back and do it all again, if you had like the time and the resources, uh, even now, um, that there was like there was one thing that you wanted to get in the game or that you wanted to change about the game that you could still get into the game, what would you add or what would you change? It's a good question. I mean, we worked on this game for seven years so uh you know it, it won like so we definitely took our time trying to get a lot of the stuff we wanted um i think the big thing honestly is the thing that we're doing right now um which is i might i would have i would have thought about handling endings differently maybe the other things that i've mentioned were like i would do something uh presentational around presenting hearsay to people um I don't. I don't really have a big one off the top of my head, honestly. Like, um, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's. Uh, we set out to make a very specific weird type of game, and I think we made that very specific weird type of game. And a lot of the things we could have done differently would have made it a different weird type of game. 
Um, like there's other there's other things I might have been interested in exploring, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And but like, I don't know. There's um, nothing where it's like, oh, we ran out of like money or time, and we. Just, I mean, like, like, oh, yeah, sure. If we had infinite time and money, I would have loved to like, you know, have a marketing campaign and like have like <laughs> uh, actual like, you know, not use the same animations for everything and like, you know, and and have like like, it's Elsinore as made by Bioware, right? Except with the same mechanics, just Bioware presentational stuff. Um, fully voice acted. Yeah, fully voice all acted. Yeah, lines. All, all, it's a lot more than thirty thousand lines. Yeah, but like, um, yeah. Uh, honestly, like, uh, I think a, I think a big one would be. Um, no, I mean honestly, like we're doing the we're, we were we were, we've gone back and done a lot of the stuff that I wish we had done. Yeah, I think there's maybe I'd add a couple more like one-off scenes, right? That are like for really really weird edge cases for like people to find. But I think there's already a bunch of those that people haven't found. So like it's yeah, that uh, yeah, like um I don't feel like people have exhausted the possibility space. Um no, it's like there's a couple things that like a lot of the choices we made were trade-offs, right? Like the how the book mm -hmm. is presented where you can actually see all the different outcomes. Like if we had not done that, would people would we was, is that accidentally pushing something people towards completionism more than we want? I think it does. But like at the same time, it makes people aware of like how much there is to actually do in the game, which can be more fulfilling and makes them feel like they they you know there's not that lingering. I could have seen. I could have done something else when I'm making their choice. For and for people who really want to see all the different possibilities, like it's that's useful for them, right? So, I don't know. I feel. I honestly feel pretty good about a lot of the choices we made in Elsinore. I think the big one is I wish we had better tools to get it in front of people. Uh, and uh, actually, no, I do have one. I would have changed the beginning. I would have done. Uh, the loop i would have done a super cliff notes first loop even more so than we did like where it's like you experience it in a dream and the dream is interactive or something like that just because like getting people to the point where it opens up um is where it, like there is one review where the person's like i played for like half an hour and there were no choices this game is should not be marketed as a game and like well, I'm not, whatever, man. Like, like, like I mean, at some, at some level, this is legit, right? Because, like, it's, yeah. it is pretty linear at the beginning. You can tell people things, but it doesn't actually change much. But on the other hand, like, I will, I do feel like we have, uh, we have managed to hit that interactive narrative things branch in a pretty extreme way. Uh, and you actually have a lot of agency over the world for someone who doesn't have much agency in the world. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty proud of the game. It, it would uh, probably most of my go back things would be like, should we have done more to mark, you know, spent more time of attracting attention to it and things like that, mm -hmm. um, making sure people actually know about it, um, because people who play it seem to really like it. Just getting more people to play it is always the struggle. Yeah, and it is a very like niche sort of game. Yeah. Like, time loop game mm -hmm. about hamlet is not yes. necessarily like an easy sell on everybody but... yeah and i think i think one of the big things for that question is we worked on like we were able to make a niche game that we liked because we worked on it in our free time because we we worked on it slowly um because it had like the scope that it had if we were working on it full time which would have been the requirement to really make it like insanely polished 
right? Mm-hmm. Would we have been able to, would we have made the same game and been as taking as many risks as we did? Um, I'd like to think so, but it, at the same time, if the Elf game didn't do well, we would have been a lot more screwed than we are now where we've been advancing our careers in parallel to working on this game, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, so that's the thing. Um, that's fair. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because I've, I've been thinking about a lot of like nitty gritty detail stuff in terms of like, for instance, for Wintermore, um, we only got one round of voice acting recording that we were able to do. And so there's a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, I wish we had voice acting lines for like X and Y that we don't have uh, and stuff like that. You guys had some good voice acting, actually. No, our, I, I'm very happy with our actors. And honestly, sorry, I, I let go of control. I'm very happy with our actors. <laughs> and honestly, they could have done, I feel like, a fully voiced version of the game. Um, they're, especially Hamlet and Ophelia, uh, at, like... It's funny uh, when they they're both on Twitter, and when the game came out, like ha- uh, Hamlet's voice actor Ethan had like, a, "Oh, this thing I'm in is finally out," and Ophelia, Ophelia's voice actor uh, Janice had like, a, "I am so overwhelmed with joy," and I'm like, "This is <laughs> this is like Hamlet and Ophelia on Twitter." <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Hamlet nice. has some Hamlet has some scumbag like trolly tweet, and like Ophelia's like. Oh, it's like, you know, I don't know. It was great. Genuine <laughs> and nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ophelia definitely has an edge to her. But, like, yeah, Ophelia's uh, natural thing is to try to, is, is a little more optimistic. Yeah. Um, which is why the game grinds her to a pulp. <laughs> uh, which is why I stopped doing that bad ending. Um, yeah. I mean, you honestly did. We designed it. With the thought that people who started pursuing it would, a lot of them would be like, uh, and walk away. Yeah. And that's it's pretty cool. gruesome. Yeah. It's like not a, it's not a fun thing to, 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 to do. It's, it's I mean, it's, basi- it's basically an entirely different game within Elsinore, uh, yeah. mechanically. And, and I, I actually enjoyed the mechanical part of it. The like thinking about like who to, you know, who to attack first and how to get them alone. But like wow. the, the actual character parts of it were like too gruesome. And I'm like, no. Like that that level of fun is not does not supersede the fact that this is like distressing and awful and I don't want to do this to these yes. characters. Um the uh the mechanical so there I think Katie and I tweeted out a while ago uh the documents for like we originally had like a whole system around Ophelia can murder people at any like it's one of her verbs and like there was this <laughs> there's this ridiculous like and then you can have accomplices and like the bodies will like smell and like they'll be discovered at a certain time and you can be bloody whatever it was ridiculously overscoped but kind of cool. Um, it's a different game. Um, yeah, it's a very different game. Uh, it's a very different game. But it is, it, it's kind of was a spiritual successor to this game that Katie and I made uh, with a bunch of our college friends for GCS as a game for a game jam called Lodged in the Skull, which was the stupid game, game where you played as an assassin who had to kill this one dude and then like escape without getting caught. And like every, you know, there was a thing where like after a certain point, someone would get accused, and you had to put the suspicion on other people. Um, it was very simple and janky, but we get stupidly nostalgic about it sometimes. <laughs> like all uh, college games. And and there's a little yes, and the uh, the murder sequence, the uh, the mm-hmm. exunt all, 
is very much a spiritual successor to Lodged in the Skull and also that overly scoped <laughs> design document of murder people and like don't get yeah. caught. <laughs> It's a very much more streamlined it's interesting of it. because it is a much more like gamey feeling game compared to the rest of the game so in a certain way that feeling is sort of comes as a relief at that point because you've been like trying to hold all these intricate interconnected narratives and characters in your head at that point uh and so just having an opportunity to do something that's a little bit mechanical feels nice um but again like it's a it's a question of like are you able to divorce yourself from the the actual narrative implications which right. i was not well it's what the player's doing there mirrors what ophelia is going through right where it's like yeah. they you are you you the people are not people anymore they are toys to get the outcome that you want mm -hmm. yeah exactly um all right uh, I, so I think that's it. I think that is uh, all all I wanted to ask. I guess I had a follow-up on uh, the voice acting, which was like, when when did you get voice acting in? And like, was that like one of the last things? Because it seems like you have pretty good coverage of like all your writing in terms of your um, voice acting. Yeah, no. So we did, uh, we went on Blind Light. I think it's Blind Light. Backstage, maybe. I don't remember what it's actually called. Uh, and we put out a casting call. Um, we got a bunch of people who submitted, um, and, uh, and we recorded, we, we had a, we had, I think one record session for some of them, like that were bit parts like, uh, Grace O'Malley. Um, uh, we had follow-ups for some of them. We had to recast a couple of them because their like recording quality wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, or we weren't quite happy with it. Um, we actually, uh, we spent the longest time casting Bernardo. Um, and the funny thing about that is we kept auditioning different people and Katie and I would just frequently be like, okay, but Duncan would be a very good Bernardo and Duncan's a member of our team. And then finally we're like, Duncan, Duncan kept being like my friend, what about my friend here? And we're like, Duncan, you should try being Bernardo. And then he was Bernardo. <laughs> and like, so, uh, nice. the other one, the other one that's kind of funny is Marcellus, uh, I was having my housewarming party for my new apartment in Seattle, and I had a friend from high school over, Connor Rakes, and uh, we and my, another one of my friends, uh, Tim Vaughn, brought a game where you got random cards that were like do a voice and read this line. So you had to like read like a random line. It's like a horny witch or like uh, angry ghost. And after that party, we were playing with Rakes. Katie was like, I think Connor Rakes would be a good Marcellus. And so <laughs> I reached out to him. But like 90%, everybody else we cast through uh, Blind Light. And there's some other funny coincidences. Like our, ha our Hamlet knew Duncan in college. So like, <laughs> um, and our, uh, our Grace O'Malley and our uh, King Hamlet are married to each other. So like... <laughs> um nice. some just some fun stuff but yeah so for the most part we did uh one or two recording sessions we did pickup sessions for uh ophelia towards the end to, like, was this, cover was this all like after all the writing was complete the key scenes sorry can you uh, repeat was this, that like after you had done you were final draft on all the writing no not at all no, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff that like we have in voice acting lines that is are not did not line up to the final things in the game. Like uh, Quince has a recorded line where he says like, "How arrogant you must be," and like 
there that was because originally um uh in uh there was this thing where he's like you must have been super arrogant to believe this good ending was true even for a second um and it's just the final you know the that line was too specific for the final version of the script right um mm -hmm. but at the same time some of them stuck up stuck together like what is what's canonical can be rewritten yeah. and like i am a god like we knew he was going to say that at some point um uh there was a thing where uh quince's play title uh we recorded it uh, in the voice acting the quince the mm -hmm. play that quince puts on about himself um and then we got stuck with that title so katie had to work with around the title being the mirthful merchant uh, when she wanted it to be something else later on <laughs> yeah okay um, yeah i was curious uh, about things like that because all it's, his other play titles. uh it's an interesting as as i was saying like i've been thinking about this because of wintermore it's an interesting process when you like are trying to do both writing and voice acting simultaneously and then they diverge yeah on guild wars we record our voice acting like at the very very end and i think if you're uh at least for living world episodes for expansions we tend to do multiple rounds um but uh, the, I think that process makes a lot of sense. If you're fully voicing the game, like once you record it, you're you're stuck. Um, yeah. With more bark style voice acting, we had a lot more flexibility, so we recorded a lot of our stuff early. Which honestly, for the last couple years, my main thing has been just adding the lines to the scenes because there were a lot Connor, you're kind of breaking up a little bit you're kind of breaking up a little bit and animating that so bit? like oh sorry uh i just say like i'm glad now we did can. that yep. can yes. you hear me yeah okay uh i'm glad we recorded them early because honestly like for the last couple years i'd say like because a lot of the main design was locked down my main thing has been just adding all this choreography and adding voice acting and viewing the scenes over and over again and trying to remove points where the lines felt jarring, right? Like, and yeah, yeah, for the most part, right? Like, and like just clean and like, uh, if we had not gotten voice acting till the end, that would have been super <laughs> yeah. tough. Yep. Um, yeah, we have a similar thing where we don't have actual lines, we just have a lot of like emotional expressions. Yep. Where it's like, oh, ah, oh, hmm. You know, like 50, you know, 50 of those for each character. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, like, for the most part, like we were able to go through the script and add them all and it was fine. But there are definitely things where like in retrospect, it's like, oh, shoot, I should have like mapped this better before we recorded because yep. like we don't have anything of this type of emotion. And so there's no sound I can put into this scene. That that's, makes why sense. I did, that's why we did pickups with Ophelia, right? When we decided to fully voice the uh, endings, um, I was also mm -hmm. like, hey, say like this line, say this line, say this line. So I can have her like actually say things for some of the key emotional moments. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's it was, it was definitely a thing. Um, yeah, if uh, infinite money, definitely one of the first things I would have added is, that I don't think would have affected the game much would be the full voice acting. Um, but that would have also been a huge endeavor. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, cool. Well, that is all of my notes. Uh, Kelso and Carl, do you have anything else to add? Carl, you're so thorough. <laughs> yeah. Um, Connor, do you have any any other like? fun stories or last comments on the game that you'd like to make? Nah, um... 
I'm I'm glad you all played it and liked it. Um, yeah, I mean, if you haven't picked it up yet <laughs> and listened to all these spoiler things, why did you do that? Whoever's listening to this, but yeah, also sure. it's, pick it up. Yeah, so it's a, it's definitely a cool game. Um, I feel like if you listen to this podcast, uh, some things might be spoiled, but there's enough like interesting detail in the writing and kind of the cause and effect stuff that it's a. Uh, it's worth trying out. It's worth getting. And, and uh, if this if this sort of weird niche game sounds like your jam, then check it out. It's cool. You can at least buy it. Yes, you can at least yeah. buy it and support the devs. Yeah. Um, cool. So next, we're going to talk about the game we're playing next, which, surprise, surprise, is my game. <laughs> God damn. Uh, it's it's exciting and scary. My game is coming out in on Tuesday, which is in two days. Um, we'll see if it takes three weeks because I think it's like fifteen hours, so it's um, it's on probably on the cusp of our our, our like getting normal game length. Um, but if we have to take three weeks, we have to take three weeks. Um, yeah. So, a Wintermore Tactics Club is a game where you are a uh, young black student at a prestigious east coast boarding school in the 1980s uh, and you are part of a tabletop board game club called the tactics club where you play a game called curses and catacombs uh and you are you know spending your days as being a nerd trying not to get beat up at school uh and then one day the principal of the school announces that there is going to be a mandatory snowball tournament and all clubs must participate. And if you lose in the tournament, or if you refuse to participate, then you get disbanded forever, and you're not allowed to do your club activity anymore. So they have to use the tactics from their tabletop game in order to uh, defeat other clubs. Uh, and then you have to use your as your as the main character. You have to use your empathy and your creative writing skills to recruit. Uh, members of the Fallen Clubs to your team and to, to help you figure out what's going on on the campus. Uh, it's like a tactics strategy RPG, but it's intended to be simple enough that it can be somebody's first tactics game so the mechanics are not like crazy complex. Um, and I hope people will like it. Dear God, I'm like, like a, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I'm just like really happy that we finished a game and it's releasing and I'm really proud of it and i don't even care like if people like it or not and then as the game's been getting steadily closer and closer i'm like god damn i need people to like this game <laughs> validate me yeah, yes exactly um so hopefully you'll like it uh if you don't that's all right too you can tell me that uh but yeah next next time you guys kelso and carl are going to have to have all the questions because i'm not interviewing myself so I'll take notes this time, I promise. <laughs> yeah. I think so, you could totally interview yourself. I could, like I could I could come up with a list of questions. But then like it you would should only... be like the, the, the you, your harshest critic, right? Like <laughs> I was gonna say it will only be things that are flattering about the game if I do that. And no, you're not it would like literally... Golem. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, literally if I interviewed myself, it would just be a list of what I thought the funniest jokes in the game were. That's fine. <laughs> Because uh, I do want to know talk what, about that for sure. Yeah, I do want to know what you guys like, what jokes you guys laughed at. Because there are some jokes that like I still crack myself up, and I wrote them like a, over a year ago. 
so hopefully that translates to, to other people liking it, or else I'm just really good at amusing specifically myself and my co-writer, and that's it. Which might also be the case. I definitely know that feel for uh, pro philosopher. Like I'm like, I'm this joke was funny, and they're like, okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll see. I think we have like at least two like really obscure literary references in the library that probably no one will get, but it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I'm proud of the game. I think it's really good. Uh, I think we made an excellent game. We'll see if people agree. <laughs> so. Well, I'm looking forward to playing it. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. So finally yeah. getting to play it. Yep. Yes. So Wintermore Tactics Club, May 5th by EVC. You can get it on Steam, coming to other platforms later um, since like all the console certification processes are delayed by COVID. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we were going to do simul release on PC and consoles, but. Uh, listen, we're just going to release on PC. It's going to be part of the IMB uh, going away sale. Um, so you can even, if you pick it up early, you can even pick it up slightly on sale. So do that. Cool. Buy our game, please. Nice. Um, yeah, so we'll spend a few weeks playing that. Uh, playing that. And um, as always, listeners, if you want to come on and discuss uh, the games that we play, you are welcome to hit us up on Twitter. Kelso, where can they find the podcast on Twitter? You can find the podcast on Twitter at Feedback Force. Very straightforward. Just how we like it, maybe. Um, yeah. And you can find me on Twitter barely these days at Kelso Time Bomb. Um, you can find me on Twitter freaking out about the game launch. Uh, at Kyla underscore go, and you can find Wintermore on Twitter at WintermoreTC. And you can find me on Twitter at Skug3. And Connor, how would you like for people to contact you and or find out about your game? Oh no, Connor's gone. I'm just not hitting control again. Uh, <laughs> Connor forgot his hotkeys. Yeah, I literally set them up for this call. So I wouldn't accidentally interrupt people. So uh, I can be contacted at Connor E. Fallon. Uh, no, that was that was completely that's, illegible that's name. for the uh, cutout. Spell it out. You have to say it again. <laughs> oh, was okay. At Connor yeah. E. Fallon, and then Twitter for Elsinore is cool. at Elsinore nice. Game. Cool. Yeah, we got we got it that time. <laughs> We're golden. Excellent. Cool. I just the secret is I just talk slowly yeah. and then yeah it's fine that's not actually that <laughs> has, sure. has nothing to do yeah, with I was gonna say, i'm sure that will affect your connectivity <laughs> um all right yeah so check people out uh you have at least two weeks to play wintermore tactics club and honestly if you don't want to come on the podcast and talk about the game at least like tweet me about what you thought about the game because i really want to hear what people think about Wintermore. Again, it's at Kyla I'm underscore. Just, I'm going to make a thread. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make a thread and just tag you in, in every, like, I'll, I will live tweet every time I'm playing. The, no, I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> I will definitely, you will definitely get tweets. Oh, good. Good. I am excited. Um, all right. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. And uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.